Yeah, so Dave, I've kind uh, of watched soccer. There's a few things going on uh, live these days. There's the the Nicaraguan league, which I think is yeah. just kind of towards the end. Uh, some, um, but I can't find them on TV. I did. I was able to find the Belarus league though. Finally, who uh, and uh, and have to steal for that one. Yeah, I you know I have a VPN. I can get in. It's crap for quality but you know this week fc sluts are top of the table uh sluts sluts are always on top of the table you're right Live from COVID bunkers, deep in the Twin Cities, we are the Daves you know. This is the Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. another week um how are you how are you gentlemen holding up um we have dan bill matt uh, and we have uh christian uh, uh hop as well on the uh, podcast tonight so how how are you boys holding up great good 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 podcasting gentlemen good podcast yeah, everyone jump in at once here everybody loves dead air that's why people listen to this podcast nominal really well. soccer analysis and dead air really fucking well good thing i listen to my pod, my own podcast all right speed, so on the on the thing we're gonna imagine it says bill says good i'm doing good. <laughs> and, and then maybe dan comes in uh yeah i mean it was good it was a good weekend you know i feel like uh I feel like for a couple, first couple of weeks of quarantine were a little bit tough with, uh, you know, it was cold, snowy, rainy, whatever the fuck is falling from the sky. And now that it's, like, starting to get nice, you kind of go out and walk a little bit. It's starting to feel a little more, I don't want to say normal. I don't ever want this to be normal, but bearable. Mm-hmm. Well, we had a uh, we had a, a, a very nice gift from uh, our friend Christian and the Hop Clouds, uh, a uh, delicious coffee cream ale that uh, showed up randomly on my doorstep on Tuesday night. Uh, and then uh, randomly. I'm glad your, you guys got it. Yeah. Randomly <laughs> on your guys' doorstep. Well, you know, I, uh, I'm a, the beer fairy, you know, he took a, he took a, his own tithing, but, um, but yeah, so I think most of us are drinking it in some capacity right now. So what is, what is everybody drinking? Since we're going to, since we're, you know, drinking. I am. Uh, that is exactly what I'm drinking. So, Me as well. Uh, yep. My Zenith city. I'm also. I, I'm being lame and and drinking just water right now. <laughs> wow. You I'm already... drinking a Hell's Yeah from uh, Hell's Yeah from uh, Sisyphus, which is I, really good. It is nice. four. It is four twenty. MJ, did you blaze up already? Is that why you're drinking water? No, no, no. Uh, oh. I, I drank quite a bit last night uh, with some friends on Zoom, and uh, so yeah, it's it hasn't been a complete recovery. I didn't wake up with a hangover or anything like that. I just. <laughs> I'm a little slow to the alcohol today. You know, it's good for a uh, hangover, right? Water? No, because I didn't have one today. Weed. 
Oh yeah. Maybe. Well, it's four twenty. So I mean, yeah, it is. Uh, smoke, this this is the day that you you and I and I mean most of us had circled as the Minnesota United Day at Target Field. That's right. That's gonna be very high for that thing. Uh, Unfortunately, three three great things that a lot of us love, you know, baseball, soccer, and weed, were gonna come together. Four twenty did not happen. Yeah, that's my daughter's birthday. I plan. We plan to have our daughter born today, just so that when she became an adult, we could get high with her on her birthday, and she could share a birthday with Hitler, and Hitler, and yeah. I think it's uh, Deep Horizon Day. Yeah. Oh wow. And uh, I don't know when's Columbine Day. Is that today? I think. Oh, actually, shit. I think it might be. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe Waco Day too. Some, that was today or yesterday. Fucked up. Really good. Really good week. You know. Yeah. Man, every, yeah. Everything shitty happens in April because you look on the fifteenth too. It's like uh, Lincoln's assassination. Yeah, tax day. Obviously, <laughs> Lincoln's assassination. Uh, I think that's when the Titanic hit the iceberg. Like this, just like week period in uh, in April, it was just a shit show. I mean, yeah. Forget Julius Caesar and beware the Ides of March. We should beware the Ides of April. Yeah, April twentieth. Right on. Uh, well, if you uh, if you enjoy this kind of bullshit content uh, and uh, enjoy listening to us every week, um, and you're not already a member of our Patreon, highly encourage you to join uh, patreon.com backslash Dave's. I know. Help support the days that you know. We are going to be talking with uh, Christian, uh, the founder of Hot Clouds, um, and they are uh, have graciously joined forces with the days for some godforsaken reason. We're, we're going to flesh that out why uh, he joined forces with us. Um, but we're going to be we have we have already offered some beer. Uh, if you are a Patreon subscriber at three dollars a month, we have several different levels. Um, as soon as we actually have a season again, uh, we're going to have another uh, days I know uh, Hot Clouds. Uh, beer release launch party um so keep your uh calendar you know your uh, dance cards open for that um but yeah visit patreon.com backslash days i know give uh give all your love to uh the hot clouds at hot clouds on twitter um and yeah if you're interested patreon.com backslash days i know uh you can check out the patreon levels i'm actually thinking working through some extra um other content we did uh we did a, a opening of the beer uh on wednesday actually as a matter of fact so I'm trying to figure out some other uh, stuff that we might be able to do for Patreon people. So if you want to get involved, now's the time. Patreon.com backslash Dave's to help support the Dave's that you know. Uh, all right, guys. Um, so there, see, see how fucking seamless that was? Brilliant. Like I was born to do this thing. You get paid. Uh, not really. <laughs> uh, not at all. Uh, but I could use a job. If someone wants to pay me to do shit like that, I'm happy to do it. So... Uh, let's talk about what is actually happening in the soccer world. Um, there, we have a lot of MLS news. I'm going to hold off on MLS news. Let's get through some of the stuff that is uh, not MLS specific. Um, and let's start with the Premier League. That is the league that uh, most, you know, that most of us have a, a team in. I know Bill. I know you're uh, you're a, an M or an EPL uh, neutral, which is great. Yeah, I'm neutral. Yep. Yep. You can come support the teams that you want to support. Uh, but they had a meeting last week. Um, basically, nothing new really came out of it. Clubs are committed to finishing the season. Uh, they have, I think they said they're aiming for early June for a start date. Uh, they're obviously not worried about the June 30th cutoff date, which for, as if you're, you know, if you have not been listening to this podcast, you're here for, uh, for Christian Hop Sauce for some reason. Um, haven't been listening to your bullshit. That's not a big on you, Christian, by the way. Um, 
the uh, that's when all the contracts are up. Uh, that's when loan agreements are done. So uh, FIFA has said that they are willing to sort of push that back. Um, the EPL is not seem to be very concerned about the June 30th deadline. Um, but anyways, yeah, what do you guys, uh, are, have, have you have changed any of your opinions about whether this thing is actually going to get done? Is, is, is uh, Liverpool going to have that asterisk for their uh, first uh, EPL title ever and their first league title in 30 fucking years? God, I hope not. I, I'm, I'm a Liverpool fan, so sorry, this is Christian. I'm, I'm, I really hope that they, they do finish the season, but the longer this thing goes on, it just feels like the chances are so small, you know? So unless they do that Olympic style tournament you guys were talking about before, um, I just don't see it happening personally. I feel like they may cut down the season, you know, like kind of figure out, okay, we need, you know, we need to get this done. There are X games left. We have Y weeks to fit it in. And then you just sort of start cutting out games like, well, it doesn't actually matter if Crystal Palace plays, I don't know who else is mid-table Everton. No oh, yeah. Like, uh, we're just not going to do that one. Uh, <laughs> so there's, there's 16, 16 teams have nine games. Four teams have 10 games left. If you decided to say, hey, we want to be done by June 30th, we're going to start, like, say they're able to start, like, like June 6th or whatever, some random date at the beginning of June. Basically, we're going to play for 24 days. We're going to play every three days or every four days or something like that. Um, they set an arbitrary uh, arbitrary number of games that they're going to get to. So we're going to get to – we're not going to play an entire 38-game uh, season. We're going to get to uh, 31 games. And so that basically – that allows the teams that are fighting for those Champions League, Europa League spots, uh, the teams battling relegation, to know that they have a, a certain amount of time, uh, games. I think that is um, outside of, like, you know uh, – declaring the season null and void and then de- dealing with all the fucking legal ramifications of, of that, which I think the EPL um, does not want to have to deal with like Leeds, uh, you know, you know, Leeds and um, who's uh, the Brentford. I don't even know who's on who as West Brom is it Leeds and West Brom who are like top of the championship right now. And then uh, all the teams uh, battling relegation, um, you know, suing the, suing the league over promotion relegation stuff. Uh, I think that seems to be the the thing that probably makes the most sense to try and get it all done by the June by June thirtieth, so before contracts are done, and um, and th- yeah, whatever. So I don't know. That's kind of where I'm leaning right now. Yeah. MJ, as a team, as a guy who has a team who's not going to do shit, do you have any thoughts? I just think any way that you cut it, it's unfair to somebody, and as yep. Other people have already alluded to it matters way more at the bottom of the table than it does at the top. If you look at, let me back up. The Premier League and most European leagues, unlike most American sports, with maybe the exception of baseball, run a very rigorous, uh, what's called a symmetric schedule. It's everyone plays home and away. every other team exactly twice home and away. And so if you look at someone at the bottom table, they had to play Liverpool and Man City twice, but another one did not. That's not symmetric anymore. So no matter where you draw that line, someone's going to have a, a beef um, with it. Um, and and it, since it's the English Premier League, it, it will be beef Wellington. So. 
All right. Any anything else on uh, on the EPL? Yeah. The only way I think they could make that fair is just somehow you know prorate points to you know if they're going to have a shorter season somehow retabulate the points and bring them in closer. Yeah. I mean there. <laughs> There's been, I know people have said, like, we'll just go back to the halfway point when every team has played each other once. No. Um, which, I, yeah, again, um, but actually the halfway point when, you know, when all teams that would have played each other, actually, Liverpool had not yet played Aston Villa because they were in that uh, yeah. club World yeah. Cup tournament. So they had to end up playing that game, you know, later. So who the hell knows? Right. Um, so from a league that has not quite figured their shit out to a league that actually has a, a, plan start dates uh we move on to the bundesliga um so you know we talked about this last week they had they had said that they were targeting uh early may for uh the start um sorry my cat is being an asshole hey <laughs> the view just got way better on the uh, zoom yeah uh, that cat that cat literally never like hangs out near me for some reason uh, all right so they said may 9th as their current weed plan. smells like catnip right uh, that's, that's also true. I have been smoking weed in here. Um, you are a good judge of character, David. <laughs> uh, no, he likes me. He just he doesn't really hang out with me. Um, okay. the, the other cat likes me more. So, uh, May 9th uh, is the current plan start date. Taylor Twelman tweeted it out. Um, there's obviously been some conversations about that. Uh, obviously, the games would all be behind closed doors. No fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes without saying. Uh, they are still waiting on the German health department for approval. Um, uh, uh, the German uh, ch- uh, was it Chancellor uh, Angela Merkel. I can't remember what her what her title actually is. Prime Minister. Yeah, Chancellor. Not Chancellor. Chancellor. Okay. Chancellor. Um, it's just like Palpatine. <laughs> there you go. Very good. Uh, uh, she said, and, and basically the German, and, and this has been a thing that you know pretty much every major government has said, like no big public gatherings before August of 2020, and I'm guessing that is obviously going to get postponed as well. So obviously the games will all be behind closed doors. Um, Germany, actually, you know, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, teams had already been back to, to training. So they've already been training for going on two weeks now. Maybe this might be even the third week of them starting training. Um, this legitimately looks like it might be happening. Um, do you guys have any, any thoughts on this? You want to jump in? I hope it does. Um, you know, Germany's, uh, Germany's public health apparatus has been really efficient, really effective. Like, I just, I want this to work. I want somebody Weird. to do the, this. The Germans are really effective and efficient. I think we made that exact same joke last week. Related to, <laughs> uh, related to people's health <laughs> and or lack thereof. Like, I just, I want someone to, to open up successfully. Um, you know, we've seen efforts at opening up in China and Singapore. I mean, Belarus. And, and, Belarus does not I'm get, count. I'm getting my fix right there with Belarus. <laughs> all all Bill needs is FC Sluts and FC Sluts are turning the table every uh, time. But like we we don't have a model for anyone opening up into like this type of activity. It's it's these guys. It's the South Korean and Taiwanese baseball leagues, and then yeah, I guess the Nicaraguan and Belarusian soccer leagues i'm gonna go out on a limb and say i don't totally trust the belarusian uh health numbers that are coming out did you see um, that there was a bench clearing brawl in the taiwanese uh baseball league like over no. the weekend no but i'm instantly interested <laughs> it was hilarious 
Yeah, they're like doing this whole social distancing thing, and there was a fucking like yeah bench clearing brawl in uh, in a baseball game in Taiwan. It was fucking great. Anyway, sorry, Damon. <laughs> no, the other thing we got to say about the Taiwanese league is they have like fake fans, and I don't mean you know not serious hooligans. I mean like literally cardboard cuts out cutouts of fans, and, and they the have- cardboard are the cutboard cutouts themselves are also wearing masks, which and I have- just <laughs> and they have robot drummers. Did you see that? <laughs> I did. <No>. I- <laughs> yeah. Uh, go on my on my Twitter my Twitter feed uh, from my timeline earlier. Um, I tweet I retweeted somebody that was like talked about Taiwanese baseball. I think I tweeted at the Minnesota Thunderwalls. Like uh, robot drummers have nothing on on Min- at MN Thunderwall or whatever. But yeah, they have fucking robot drummers. So nice. So the, I, I, South, South Asian baseball is fucking weird to to start with, and like it just it just gets even more weirder the more you you dig into it. So it's great if you haven't watched yeah, some of stuff I, like, I, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, the, the culture around it is completely fascinating. And I, I will spare you guys like the hour-long digression from a fascinating year in college when I got super into Japanese baseball. Um, yeah, we, me and you sometimes need to have a conversation about the time I played uh, fantasy, Japanese, fantasy Japanese baseball with a, <laughs> with a college professor of mine. Uh, yeah, we, maybe that's like a, a Patreon podcast. We just we can wax repetitively yeah. about uh, Japanese baseball. We're gonna change the name of this podcast from the Dave's I know to the Dorks I know, and and <laughs> we won't have to change any of the branding or anything. We'll still be T B I K M N. But uh, look, point being, like at the at this point, we are seeing huge movements either verbally or physically in some places to open things up. So we need to have a conversation about what that looks like and when certain things can happen. I am rooting wholeheartedly for the German health ministry to sign off on this. I am rooting wholeheartedly for them to start games on May 9th. I will watch every single game and Fox has the rights to this. So, you know, they are absolutely going nuts praying this happens. Mm -hmm. I'll watch every one of those games and I'm so rooting for it to work just so we have a model that we can look at and say, okay, you know, this has been done. This has been done effectively. They opened up without fans and no one got really sick so i'd like to correct that though dan i think the announcers who work at fox are going nuts for it i don't think fox gives a shit (laughs) you don't think their ratings are going to go through the roof they'll have the only live sports uh i mean i think not really i think the fact that they would be the only sort of live sporting event that would be available to a large you know english-speaking audience i think i don't think i don't i kind of agree with i don't think they give a shit i think they'll be like okay well this is the only thing going, so we're going to promote the hell out of it, and we're going to put it on. Yeah. Now, the question I have is, like, and, and Bill, maybe you have, you you follow FC St. Pauli and yeah. the Bundesliga 2. Has the, have they said anything about the Bundesliga 2? No, they haven't. And yeah. it's, it, I think it's just too expensive for them to do that. For um, them to, to, to Yeah, to do, it, to do the, the next league down. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's a lot of money to keep people, you know, sequestered. Yeah. Yeah, I I haven't heard anything about how they're planning on like doing it. Um, it's, it's it sounds like to me like they they all the players are still living at their own homes and just yeah. coming in for training. And they're not they're not. It doesn't sound like they're planning on doing some like some sort of World Cup style thing that you know the EPL had bandied about yeah. you know a week or two ago. Um, and has like, again, it's come back alive. Is it okay? They're talking about a three hub model in uh, in Texas, Arizona, and Florida. I think I think an aircraft oh. carrier. 
<laughs> I, I love Put that pitch idea. on top have a have a reality show down below it do would be guys, huge ratings do you guys remember those uh i think it was nike commercials that came out in like the yes. early 2000s you know what i'm yes. talking about oh, of eric, course i do with eric cantona uh, doing yeah. the oh. mc slash yes. referee slash whatever holy yeah. shit those are fucking great uh yeah i so yeah yeah put it on a fucking uh on a battleship or something yeah percent agree yeah I, I immediately looked at like what's what's the area of a deck of a of a of an aircraft carrier and you could you could almost almost have two pitches but just one will work we'll make it you know it's the, the totem's pitch is smaller make it like more like Tottenham's <laughs> pitch. and uh and but, but do the fucking uh nike commercial rules like one goal first goal wins like only go like one goal first goal wins and then you know, you play the, the last match of the year, the first to 100, and see uh, which team dies first. Um, I'd so, watch that. Oh, I'd watch the shit out of that, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right. Beats well, that fucking micro the, the, soccer shit. The micro machine soccer? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'm Sorry, uh, man. Rocket League, yeah. Here, here's the thing. All the news that I see from the U.S. talking about Germany – are being very non uh, editorial about it, which I think is kind of dangerous. They're just, and sh small shops open for the first time today in Germany and very few are giving the context or they're saying, yeah, sports are, are ready to open up back up in Germany. Very few are adding the context of after widespread testing and patient tracing, which we don't have here in the United States. Yep. And so a lot of the U.S. news that, that carries these are things. You see blips of it on, on CBS Evening News or ABC. It's, I think, very misleading to be like, oh, look at Germany. They have their shit together. We should have our shit together. But we don't. And so for anybody who's listening to this podcast that thinks that, I mean, I wouldn't play around the golf right now. I mean – I, I think it's nice that the courses are open and it's a sport that you can social distance and still play, but you know, I don't want to go near that shit. So. Yeah. I was skeet shooting over at Botno today. That was nice. Yeah. <laughs> was uh, it open or were you just out there throwing shit and shooting at it? Yeah. Get a kid, <laughs> to, th get a kid to throw a Frisbee and bam. Whoa! There you go. Yeah. I, I almost yelled at some skateboarders that were not that were, you know, like one foot apart, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Fuck them. Uh all right. Well, I guess we'll uh kind of keep an eye on this and then uh if we mm -hmm. if this actually thinks it looks like it's a thing that's gonna happen, maybe next week we should uh break down the Bundesliga. There we a, go. A Bundesliga sort of preview. Union Berlin. Union. Yeah. Um yeah. we'll have to talk about the teams and obviously, you know. There's, you know, a couple particularly shitty teams in Bundesliga, and then most of the other teams are generally okay. Yeah. Um, there's like three, I guess, three really kind of shitty teams or owners of teams. And then uh, everybody else is generally pretty cool with some teams being cooler than others. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, the big thing for me was Alfonso Davies, you know, signed a new mm, contract. Yeah. Yeah, for 2025. And, uh, yeah, that's huge. It's exciting. For one of the shitty teams, but, uh, you know, never. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just, you know, bottom to mid, you know, bottom table. 
So, uh, so yeah, so let's, if, uh, if it looks like this is going to happen, like next week on Monday, we will, uh, we'll, uh, we'll give you some Bundesliga, uh, basically we'll kind of break it down. Maybe like you, you tell us, you tell us what team you support in EPL and we'll give you a Bundesliga team to support. <clears throat> Spoiler alert, it's probably going to be either Dortmund or Schalke or Union Berlin. So <laughs> honestly, um, cool. And then, uh, so the other, other European league that, uh, had mentioned something about, um, Starting up again is La Liga. Um, they have they have targeted June sixth as their start back update. Um, that's based on an agreement between the league and the Spanish FA. Again, also will be behind closed doors. Um, Spain obviously was hit uh, particularly hard by uh, coronavirus. So who the fuck actually knows? Um, both Spain and Germany, obviously, as well as the EPL, have. Uh, cup tournaments to finish as well, so there's just a lot of a lot of moving parts. But I figured um, point out that as well. So yeah. um, I think they have the Spain, the Spanish league. I think ha- also has eight or nine, eight or nine matches that they need to get finished in order to complete their their full season. So lots of uh, lots of stuff happening uh, over in Europe. Um, you know they're slightly ahead of us, m- mostly slightly ahead of us. Um, then we have, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Now, one thing we haven't heard from in any of these countries, the U.S., too, is how much the players are willing to play in a given week. Like, I, there's no doubt that the clubs would love to get as much gate revenue in. The TV companies want their full slate that they paid for. Uh, we know player performance dips when you get these guys running out three times a week. So I'll be really interested to see when the unions step forward and say, you know, here's the maximum number of games that we're going to play in a two-week time period. Um, yeah. But there I has, think that's, that's kind of the X factor here. Yeah, I know there has been some discussion. Um, I can't remember if it was just in EPL or if it was like uh, UEFA uh, about having like, adding subs, so adding like making it five subs potentially, so expanding rosters, kind of what MLB has been talking about with uh, expanding their, you know, Major League Baseball game day rosters to being, you know, bigger um, – and then, you know, in terms of the EPL and, and Euro- European teams, um, expanding the number of subs. I like that idea. I like extending the number of subs. But uh, I was listening to a, a podcast on ESPNFC. I think it was the Gavin Jules podcast or Gab Arcati. You know, he said, basically said this. He's like, I like the idea of five subs, but you can only do three substitution times. So you can't, like, spread it out to, like, try and, like, kill off a game or whatever. So you can only do – you only sub three times, but you have up to five subs to use in the spread of that three times. I think I think that is a – that's a pretty decent compromise. Allows you to, like, be able to do – like, rotate squads, all that. problem with that, however, is, like, you know, obviously Liverpool has a large – like, a big enough squad, and most of the – sort of the big six, big eight, you know, top, top half of the table teams, maybe with the exception of, like, Sheffield – have large enough squads where they can, you know, bring up players or, you know, a lot of, they can bring in some youth team players um, or U23 players who are, you know, good enough to be cracking a, uh, an EPL, you know, squad. Um, yeah. You know, like some of the, <coughs> excuse me, some of the smaller teams <coughs> might not have that same luxury. So I think that is, that's a, a quandary. So. Yeah, and it certainly privileges teams that do 
have not just a starting 11 or a game day 18, but a full like 21, 22, 23 players that they feel legitimately comfortable having on the field. I mean, even Arsenal doesn't have that, if I'm totally honest. You know, they've got a starting 11, maybe 13 or so that you feel like reasonably comfortable with. But man, you start getting too far into the, the U23s, the bench players, you're like, Sebastian Squatchy, who the fuck is that? <laughs> That's, I mean, that's that's a that's on you, Dan, and your team. That's not on that's not on everybody else. So all I'm saying is your title is tainted. Fuck you, son of a bitch. Uh, all right, let's move uh, let's move over to uh, North America and uh, League MX. Uh, it was announced to, earlier or late last week that um, they have suspended Pro Pro Rel for five years. I think is the is the number. Is that am I correct in that? Yeah. Wow. Five years. Um, so Liga MX, uh, or MX East has been, uh, flirting with this idea. Like they literally had, I think they only had like one team get promoted last year. Yeah. Um, because like the team that was, uh, the other team was going to get promoted, like didn't have the facilities or whatever. So they've been floating this, they, or they've been flirting with this idea for, for several years. Um, their revenue, I was reading a, uh, an article, I can't remember, I think it was on, uh, FBI, Soccer, um, basically, their their revenue, like their uh, Liga MX revenue, um, has been going down pretty steadily for the last like decade. Um, whereas MLS revenue has been going up pretty steadily, and you know we've we've been hearing rumors and, and rumblings about a combined uh, North American Super League, and this only adds fuel to the fire of a you know a closed uh, a closed pyramid of uh you know Liga Mickeys and MLS combining having some sort of like you know 45 or 50 team super league that maybe you have promotional relegation within that league or you know maybe it's something uh like uh like like we're having right now but we have sort of cross promotional playoffs things like that um obviously Liga MX like MX has playoffs so they're not it's not a new concept to them so i don't know what are you guys thoughts on uh their <laughs> suspending promotion relegation for five years not just like hey we're not going to promote and relegate this year we're going to do it for five years and then what that essentially means for uh concept soccer uh going forward well i think that you know their owners groups had had a vote and uh it's pretty easy for owners to uh, see what's happening in mls and see the money coming in and if i were an owner in that league, I would vote for my own pocketbook. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's pretty easy vote for them. Um, it's not like, I don't think their, their federation works any other way. I think, I think in their pro league, it's the owners who have all the decisions. I don't know. Do, do you guys watch MX, league MX? A little bit when it's on, uh, not a not as much as and like if this starts to gain some real steam, you'd better believe I'm going to start scouting opposition. Uh, I'm a it's... very very uh, I won't even say fair weather. I will we'll say I'm a very uh, bad weather uh, or good good weather Cruz Azul fan. So if Cruz Azul is doing well, I'll yeah. pay attention. Yeah, I just you know I I think it's it's the smart move for him actually. Um, I I just. But pro rel, Bill. Yeah. I mean, like I've said before, I'm in favor of rel, just not <laughs> pro. And uh, 
they, uh, but they, I, it, to me, it would work as long as, uh, you know, there's minimal cross matches between MX and MLS. You know, if they play like, you know, four cross matches, you know, a year, that would probably be, uh, about right. And then as you get into the playoffs, you know, kind of works the way, uh, the way it does now where, you know, we stay in the West, you know, we, we have a playoffs all the way through the U S system. They'd have a playoff all the way through the MX system and, uh, and meet in the final. So the, the one thing that pops to mind about this is something that's a little bit unique to American sports. Uh, and this is true across the sports, but unique to America, which is the amount of travel time it oh, takes. Yeah. Uh, so adding in Mexico is going to be another big, big pull for some of these teams. And actually, as I'm looking up flights right now, and this has totally ruined my ads for the next like month, part of the reason this could even be possible is the CBA changes mandating charter flights. Because uh, to get from Boston, Massachusetts to Pueblo, which I think is the furthest south uh, Liga MX team right now, uh, to fly commercial is 19 hours with two stops. And uh, boy, if you, if you couldn't charter that flight, that's a, that's a non-starter. No professional athlete is going to agree to 19 hours and being trapped in what appears to be the Atlanta airport for a substantial amount of time. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a that's a shitty airport to be trapped in. Um, but to be fair, Robert Kraft does have a uh, a private jet that he sends around to China to uh, you know pick up uh, PPE supplies and shit. So there's that. But yeah. uh, he only cares about one team in New England, and that's not. That's relevant. true. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He would, he's like what the the New England Americans? That's my is that my soccer team, right? That's my soccer team. Um, I'm a, I, 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 I'm a, uh, uh, Morelia Monarchist fan, uh, only because I was like, I kind of was like, oh, this is last, this is maybe two summers ago. I was like, just looking, I was watching the Yemekis and I was like, oh, I should just like pick a team, kind of follow them or whatever. I didn't really have any particular allegiance. And I went to Goodwill and I actually saw a Monarchist jersey. Uh, at Goodwill, I, I got a Monarchist jersey for like five bucks, and I looked it up. And I was like, "Oh, they're in the they're in the uh, the first division of League MX. I guess I'm a Monarchist fan now." And I found out like later that they're like, um, like the uh, like the Man U in terms of like spending money of like League MX. They're not like they're not very good, um, so they're kind of more like Everton in that respect. Like they spend a shit ton of money <laughs> um, and are not very good. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyway, right, thanks, MJ. Uh, all right, um, Christian, do you have anything you want to add about any of this shit? <laughs> Not really. I mean, I think the travel would just be, to Bill's point, would just be crazy, or Dan's point would just be crazy. I can't imagine um, having to do that level of travel without charters. Um, it's the only thing I can think of is, God, if I was the team that was just relegated last year. And now I've got to wait five years before I have a chance to get back in. Yeah. I would be pissed. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did announce uh, some substantial like payments to all the the second division teams, basically, you know, as like solidarity payments or whatever. Um, I mean, the, the other thing I think that people, you know, people think about like, yeah, okay. So some people are you know like super into this, especially if there's like if it means some like some pro rel between 
you know, um, to a bigger, maybe a, you know, 50 uh, team, uh, you know, uh, closed league with pro world between the two divisions or whatever, um, is that uh, everybody who's an American soccer fan or most of who are American soccer fans forget that the highest rated uh, soccer matches in the United States Yes. Not MX. EPL. Yeah, they're, e they're League MX matches. They're not EPL. They're not MLS. Right. They're fucking League MX matches. So there's a vastly <laughs> untapped market for MLS. And that, I mean, everybody's like, why the fuck would MLS do this? Like, why would they merge leagues? I was like, well, because there's a shit ton of fucking money that, that's true. that MLS teams are not getting right now. And, you know, there are, you know, lots of billionaires lining up to try and get MLS teams right now. It's like the only league, if you're a billionaire, that you can probably you know, realistically buy a team in the next, like, 15 years, they're lining up to buy teams, and there's a reason why they're lining up to buy teams, because yeah. this is definitely the thing that's on their on their priority list. You know, the one thing it makes me think, though, is will we see, like, second division Liga MX teams do essentially what second division teams here have done, where, where essentially you, you start having affiliations with a first division? Because if you think about it, what it really does limit is player movement. Um, you know, traditional systems like EPL and the championship, a lot of the players will move up and down with the teams where they will get signed, you know, and of course, when they, if they're a certain level of player, they, in their contracts are able to get out. But it's just interesting that you essentially have taken that metric or that mechanism is now uh, taken out. Christian, yeah. are you, are you suggesting now, and I realize this is totally insane. Are you suggesting that someday there might exist a Chivas USA uh, that would be an idea. I, I can't picture it. I just I, I, I can't see it. I can't see it. It's I can't just, see it succeeding at least. <laughs> no, I mean I think that's a great point. I think, and you know, particularly as we see styles of play start to change, start to mimic each other a little bit. I wonder if you will see, you know, a a U.S. team sending a lot of their youth players down to Mexico, getting some of that experience, and vice versa, just trying to adapt from, okay, you kind of grew up in one style, but now you're going to have to adapt, and we don't want that process happening when we're paying you hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, whatever it is. So uh, go learn it. Go to the other country and learn it into their second division yeah, exactly. before we have to call you up. Yeah, I think, that's a, I think it's a great point. Well, all right. Uh, the other uh, soccer um, uh, news in uh, North America is obviously MLS. Um, so there's was some stuff that's come out recently. Um, you know the 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 messages from uh, Don, from Dan Grabber and from uh, Abbott uh, are that they are going to play. They're trying to play as many games as possible, but they're finally basically finally admitting that they're looking at other options, including um, Garber said uh, to Taylor Tolman some a tournament style, which who the fuck knows what that even means. Um, I think they are pretty. And it also sounds like Garber's has basically said that they're going to be playing games behind closed doors. I know that is a, you know, that, that will actually uh, lead into something else we're going to talk about here in a second. They extended the moratorium until at least June 8th. So, um, you know, we're looking, if if they start, if that was flipped it on June 8th, we're probably looking at the 4th of July as probably the, the start date or right around there, um, as we have talked about here. Um, and then um, news came out, uh, I think it was today, or was, yeah, I think it was today, um, that, you know, the, the MLS and had met with the executive, uh, uh, committee of the MLSPA, the Players Association, um, and they leaked to the press some pretty fucking draconian pay cuts, uh, proposed to MLS players, 
um, by the MLS. So <clears throat> basically, um, the sort of the bullet points are um, for more or less for most players about a 50% pay cut. Um, again, this is assuming that games are canceled. Um, it varies based on the number of games that are canceled, all things like that. The sort of salient points here um, are if you are making less than $100,000, you won't, you are not affected by the pay cuts. Um, if you're making more than $100,000, your pay cut will be no more than getting you to $100,000, basically. Um, again, the reductions are only gonna take place if games are canceled. Um, sort of a, a, stick, a point that MLS tries to make is that even if no games are canceled, even if no games are played this season, uh, players are still gonna earn at least 50% of their salaries, which is like, okay, good for you, uh, MLS. Um, they also pointed out that having games played behind closed doors will impact the extent of the cuts, but they don't know what degree. So it's a sliding scale probably. Like, you know, if, if all games are behind closed doors and it's maybe it's only 75% of their salaries that they that they get as opposed to, you know, 100%. Um, and then the sort of other takeaway points, based on 2019 salary figures, um, this it will save the league about $150 million, which makes sense <clears throat> when you figure in Last year's salary figures plus Nashville and Miami joining the season, um, MLS payroll is expected to be about $310 million. So um, they're basically trying to cut their payroll in half. Uh, this is not a formal proposal. Um, uh, this is a stick. Uh, the stick is uh, not ratifying the CBA and locking the players out. Um, there's literally no carrot. So this is really weird that MLS would come out and do this. The one carrot, I guess, that MLS has, or that the MLS Players Association has, is that um, there is no force majeure clause in either the old or the new CBA, which would allow the league to basically stop paying players in case of uh, catastrophic events. So the players do have a little bit of leverage, um, but what I've been, basically from what I've understood from some of the podcasts that I've listened to, is basically MLS is going to the players and saying, accept these pay cuts, or we will not ratify the CBA, we will lock you out. Um, MLS players obviously are not as wealthy and as well paid as their NHL. Well, fuck, I mean, maybe they're probably relatively close to the NHL, but like uh, <laughs> NBA, uh, NBA and, and NFL brethren. So they're much more likely to um, need to play. And if the, if the, you know, it'd be a really bad look on Dan Grabber to uh, lock the players out um, right after a pandemic. But, uh, I don't put it past them. So I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on any of this stuff? Well, I, feel like, I feel like so much is up in the air that what any team or league or set of players wants to do, doesn't want to do, but may have to do this, that, or the other. Like it's everybody's just throwing shit against the wall to see what sticks. So, I mean, and, and we saw, we saw trial balloons floated with, uh, with the MLB biodome idiocracy, whatever the shit that was. And I, this feels a little bit the same way that they're, they're trying to see like, okay, if we throw this out there, if we threaten to lock players out, you know, what's, what's the pushback? What do we see? I don't like, it's in no one's interest. We've gone over this a million times in this podcast, but MLS makes its money when the doors are open, the turnstiles turn and everybody gets, you know, three beers. So they they don't want to do this. The players don't want to do it. I think I, I doubt we'll see any of this come to pass. But it sucks to know that this is out there as the floor. Uh, locking the players out, though, I think is just about the worst idea they could have. It took the NHL what 
10 years to recover from the... Well, they did it I twice. Know. They did do it twice. Yeah, they uh, did. One would argue they still haven't recovered. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas, you know, the NBA had a lockout at about the same time, if I recall correctly, and mm-hmm. it took them seriously concerted effort and a generational player and one of the greatest teams of all time and all the, all the ducks kind of got in a row and they finally got their reputation back. But uh, MLS is not trading on nearly the history and the baked in fan base that NBA was. So if they lock players out, honestly, I'd say there's a 15% chance the league folds. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I remember when baseball did it too. And uh, I walked away. Yeah, yeah, I mean, steroids uh, get get yeah. people back in the game. Yeah, it's a, it took I never the, went back. Yeah, it took the '96 home run chase to get yeah. baseball back, and which is why it's absolutely hilarious to see the league trying to relitigate that. Like, wow, yeah. those were bad. Bullshit, they were bad actors. I wouldn't be surprised if Seelig yeah. was the one supplying those guys. I mean, that's right. That's, <laughs> so yeah, I uh, it and then you know. With all that, then how far into the season do you get um, and before fans just start saying, you know, how much of my money are, am I going to keep giving you? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what among the five of us here, that's, you know, what, about two grand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm a fancy boy. That's... <laughs> okay. I, I did see when Bill tweeted out... Um, the one of the statements because there were actually two statements in the same day as you mentioned bill <laughs> that um, wasn't a tweet. statement <laughs> well christian that it, was it wasn't me. it wasn't a statement from bill it was, <laughs> it was, was a, a statement, statement from, from me yeah that was <laughs> oh, i mean okay. uh, that was a doctor <laughs> <enough>. image <laughs> so 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 clearly as, as the marketer in in the group um i clearly was fooled so there you go <laughs> I, wrote, I clearly wrote on it the the memo i wanted to see Okay, uh, fair enough. Yeah, I did retweet it out, so without any contact. Oh, though. you took my contact, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just I just retweeted it. I didn't I didn't one job, David. One anything. job. Oh listen, no, I'm trying to i I'm trying to sow discontent. That is my fucking job. My, my memo basically I have one job. It is my it is to sow discontent with MLS. So my memo just for the listener said that it took the MLS put out a, a memo last week discussing all this player uh, salary stuff, and I put out a memo saying this was the memo I wanted to hear, and it took the same verbiage that was in their memo and basically said they were discussing with their fans who are the league. Without the fans, there is no league, and they were discussing with them on how to put down what they're collecting for season ticket prices, that they need to collect season ticket prices to survive, but they know that their fans are also suffering right now. And, uh, and so maybe they're, you know. Well, and Minnesota, I mean, last week, Minnesota announced that they were not collecting for May. Um, that is going to be pushed into your June and July collections. Uh, yeah, but they're spreading oh. it out over it. They're not. Yeah. Just I, I'm just saying, I'm saying here's, I mean, here's, so the, this brings, so my question is, is like, um, Oh, like what is the percentage that we actually have more than say four games at Allianz mm-hmm. in uh, 2020? 
I would say maybe a 15% chance yeah. of more than four games. Um, I just, so but, uh, that money will be charged probably in June and July. The bulk of that is going to go to uh, 2021 season tickets. Like they're just going to push over, you know, yeah. 80, 80% of your, of your season tickets to next year. And, um, but yeah, so that's, so I don't know. Do you guys, do you guys have any, I mean, does anybody think that we, we have a better shot of having more than four uh, games at Allianz this year? No. I was going to say, I think, I, think, I think four is aggressive, honestly. Yeah, I do too. So. Christian, what were you going to say? Oh, I just said I was going to say 25%. And I, I liked your statements, Bill. I thought they were well-written. They should hire you. Well, I just took exactly the words they used. And, and I think I put it up for these guys to read. Yeah. And they sent you, me some corrections. You did that, but you put fans instead of, like, whatever the – Yes, season ticket holders. Season yeah. Ticket, yeah. So, um, yeah. Brand yeah. ambassadors, Bill. Brand yeah. ambassadors. No, I – it had to be specific to the whole league, though. I mean, that yeah. would have been a Minnesota statement. We are, we are actually. I do think, though, there there is a good. Oh, sorry. I was, ahead, I, think, I was just going to say the the one thing that it does bring up, though, is um, related to players that are closer to the league minimum, right? So if you're like right. a Brent Coleman and you're making eighty five thousand, I mean, a he's not fifty thousand or fifty percent pay cut. You know, you're now like what fifty thousand dollars, forty five thousand, forty thousand no, no. dollars. I mean. To the point that he would, yeah, if you're under $100,000, you're not affected by it. So you will still get your okay, good. Um, It's only people who are over $100,000 and you can't go below $100,000. So if you are making $150,000, they can't cut you down to 75. Like the lowest you can go, okay. the, the cumulative effect of it is most players are going to be losing up to, or, you know, at least 50, 50% of their salary. Yeah. So that is like the, that's like, the biggest effect of it is that most players will lose at least 50%. Not everybody. There's not a ton of players that are under that uh, 100K. It, a lot of players are right around there, right? So it's like you might, you know, 150, 175. Um, but yeah, that's the. Okay. And they and they didn't release any particular. So who the hell knows? Like what like what level of games being played, games not being played? Who the hell knows? So. Well, and they don't know. They don't have that calculation done yeah. yet. You know, one interesting thing, sort of wrapping a bunch of discussions into one, haven't seen this proposed, so this is this is totally a hypothetical. But, okay, let's say Germany opens up successfully May 9th. We see a couple other countries open pretty successfully shortly thereafter in June. I wonder if you start to see some chatter about MLS playing games in Europe. So you have stadiums that are available. Yeah. I mean, you, the, the biggest issue here isn't squad health. It's that you couldn't open up those games. So I'm saying, I mean, they, they may still have to play closed door if they played in Germany or Spain or England. But not in Belarus. But not in Belarus. You could send all of Hmm. We should register the hashtag MLS to Belarus. Uh, <laughs> just split it. Just split it. West Coast goes, or Western Conference goes down and plays in Nicaragua. East Coast goes to Belarus. We'll play out the season there. But, like, in all seriousness, you know, if the issue is in California, Governor Newsom has said that they are not opening stadiums. Right. So, I mean, that's a massive issue. I, I really wonder if you start to see, like, well, could we go to Germany, you know, and pay rent in these stadia, but 
I think the teams there would be willing to do it. I think it's just a question of, I mean, it's a massive logistic challenge. Don't get me wrong, but all of a sudden that at least starts solving some of the opening some of the locks between us and, and an MLS season. The, que- the question I have you on that, Dan, is, is if we're going to transport the league to another country, I mean, most countries are not as xenophobic as our, our – well, no, a lot of European countries are pretty xenophobic. They're, they're not going to want to accept a bunch of athletes that didn't go through their country's rigorous testing, you know, coming into their country, into their, into their towns and stadiums and staying in their hotels. That's not going to happen. Well, I mean, yeah, you for sure have to test everybody, right? But if they have the testing apparatus and it's a two or three day, I don't, I literally don't know what the German health ministry tests. I don't have enough of the details, but let's say it's a three day return and it's probably shorter than that, if I'm honest. Like, okay, so you sequester everybody in one or two hotels, test everybody. <laughs> you've got to quarantine somebody, you quarantine them other than that. Like, I mean, it's, it's doable is my point. We have, there are fewer logistic hurdles to El Trafico being played at, uh, uh, you know, the Dortmund stadium. than there is to El Trafico being played in LA. Yeah. Did, did any of you guys get to read that uh, Seattle times pro publica article yesterday about, uh, about the Sounders being told they should not play that March 7th match. No. I saw it, but didn't read it. Yeah, there's all these emails back and forth between them and the city, them and the health department. And and there was an XFL match held the week before at the stadium. And there was a uh, concession worker who tested positive. And, uh, and city said they wanted everything 50 people or less or 50 people or more shut down and uh, they'd shut down like three or four other events and, uh, and the Sounders went on with their match. I mean, similar thing happened in Santa Clara County with uh, San Jose and Minnesota yeah. and San Jose Sharks and Minnesota Wild. Like they both played that same week. Um, yeah, they did, Wild, didn't they? Wild, Wild played there like on Thursday and uh, United played on that Saturday. And was um, there somebody who tested positive? There, yeah, there were. There, there was like I can't remember if there was like an exact like a maybe it wasn't an official like order, but it was like recommendation of like not having gatherings over fifty people. And they and the Sharks said, "Fuck it, we're going to play." And the Sharks played a couple other uh, hockey matches after that. And then actually, some of the uh, players um, from uh, teams tested positive after playing. Yeah in san jose that's um, right get the the sharks or uh um uh, earthquake so anyways yeah. all right um i guess the last thing we have on mls uh and i don't know a ton about this so i'm happy to like just bump this to next week um adios uh ussf development academy uh hello mm-hmm. mls elite uh yeah is the other one here who has kids playing soccer mm-hmm. youth soccer so maybe you can uh, shed a little yeah. bit of light on this yeah yeah, so unfortunately, the so the U.S. Development Academy, which has been around f- since about 2007, so about 13 years, and has really set the standard as the elite um, academies. Um, there's a there was always a complaint by MLS uh, academies that some of the um, non-MLS academies were were subpar, and essentially, um, when you kind of pull back all of the language and what happened. 
this is the COVID-19 is really being used as a veneer um, to essentially force this out and then um, make this more MLS ex exclusive. Now, I'm, I'm not gonna say who, but I, I actually have talked with a bunch of parents who um, um, have kids in the DA. Um, you know, my son was pre-academy, but then also several coaches of prominent teams in the Twin Cities. And, and I would say that um, the reality is um, there's a lot of folks speculating as to um, whether or not um, Minnesota United is actually going to keep all of, of what were their DA teams. So they may actually, there's some speculation, they may actually just cut it down to a, a U17 team as opposed to the 13s, 14s, 15s that they have. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, frankly, it's, it's really, it's a bad look for the whole, for the whole system. And, and there's a lot of parents right now that a lot of the, the, um, the former DA teams are now um, fleeing to ECNL, which is the next level. It's kind of like the next level down, but it's always been the premier level for the girls, girls team. And the, the really shitty part about this is the DA for the girls had just started up and essentially got shut down before it really took root. So both for the boys and the girls, it's, it's a, it's a bad situation. Um, you know, and it, and it just kind of throws a system that had been somewhat stable, but always kind of teetering on the edge of chaos back into chaos. What's the upside here? I mean, the, the downside seems pretty, you've laid out the downside very well. What, what is the, what's the benefit or what are they at least saying the benefit will be? Well, so the, the challenge has always been that if you talked with any, you know, um, you know, uh, major large club like Minnesota Thunder Academy, you know, before um, Minnesota United come in, um, they would tell you that the cost just to field a DA team was north of $100,000 per team. And so the, the theory of the benefit, um, you know, and frankly, this is a financial decision. This is not for development at all. So the, M, the U.S. soccer has said very clearly that this is a financial decision. Um, the benefit in theory of playing in ECNL um, or doing something at that level is that it will reduce travel costs, assuming that you have more teams. But it doesn't address the major issue of, you know, MLS teams were essentially saying, hey, we're, we didn't think the quality was that great. So now everybody flooding into ECNL doesn't really change that, right? So there's, um, there's basically what the teams are saying is we, we really don't know what this is going to look like, you know, and until, certainly until COVID is over, but frankly, it may take one or two cycles, which is, you know, in, in youth academy, one or two cycles means one or two years um, to really figure out what this is going to be. Um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, if we're really honest, Minnesota United has never been a fan of having an academy. This kind of gives them an out. Nope. So um, it's it's something, I mean, I, I, I've gone on record on Twitter and I will say this again, I, I've been with this team for seven years now. Um, and if they rescind their academy, I will rescind my tickets and not, not follow them anymore. Mm. Um, it just, if you don't invest in the community, then I'm not going to invest in you. What, uh, what does it do to the teams that, the MLS teams that have great academies, teams like Dallas and the LA Galaxy? Uh, and there, there's about 10 of them that have really good academies, but those are yeah. the best two that I can think of. Yeah, Houston, Houston has question. a good one. Yeah, it's a great question. I think the, for me, I think, you know, teams that are philosophically believe in academies, which, you know, if we're honest, Minnesota United should because it's hard enough to get yeah. players to come here. Um, you know, and we've got a great metropolitan area for, for soccer uh, and futsal. 
um, I, I think they're going to continue those. And, and um, you know, the, the, the challenge has always been for us is, you know, there's nobody, it's not LA, there's nobody around us, right? Yeah. So you don't have the West Coast where you can shoot up and down to Seattle and Oregon. And, um, and frankly, there's a ton of DA academies that were on the West Coast, regardless of whether they were at MLS. So now that situation, it, it makes it more likely that you're going to see a lot more youth development happen on the coasts and very, and very, very little, honestly, in the middle of the country, which is, it's, it's really unfortunate because, you know, if you think about soccer is all about community and, and one of the benefits, I mean, you know, Jackson Yule, who I would argue right now is probably Michael Bradley's um, successor at number six, you know, he's a Minnesota Thunder Academy player. You know, mm -hmm. and his dad, Mark Yule, is the director of coaching at Minnesota Thunder Academy. Um, and he's turning around that club, which has been troubled as of late. So yeah. you would think, like, you know, having local kids do well is a thing that you would want. Um, so anyway, it's, yeah. it's, 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 uh, it's kind of tragic to see this happening. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's a fucked up situation. Um, and sounds like a lot of, like, as Christian alluded to a lot of cover for teams who don't want to invest in their academy. So, uh, all right, well, let's take a break. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk some other United news. We'll talk some beer with, uh, Christian, uh, and, uh, um, some other random, uh, random notes and, uh, and things. So we'll be right back. You want me to be that type of dude and I want to be who you like me to, but we All right, and we're back. And uh, so since we have Christian Fitchett uh, on with us today, um, and I'll do a spoiler alert for next week, uh, we're going to have uh, Kentaro Takata on the podcast next week. Taka time. What time uh, is it? It's Taka time. <laughs> uh, so if you have any questions for, for Taka, uh, please hit us up with those questions and slide into our DMs or, or whatever. Um, but we do have uh, Christian who uh, started and founded, or you know, obviously started and founded uh, Hop Clouds, uh, the Hoppy Supporters Group of Minnesota United. Um, obviously, as you are well aware, if you are a listener of this podcast, they have been uh, partnering with us. Where some of us are drinking their delicious Zenith City beer right now, uh, their Coffee Cream Ale, which is the, their newest one. Um, so, Christian, uh, thanks for thanks for doing that. And I guess my first question for you is is why. You know, um, I've always had two kind of loves of uh, food slash beer and, and then soccer. And I thought, you know, um, there were probably other folks out there who, you know, what you find is there's rabid soccer fans. There's also rabid brewing fans. And so I figured um, there's a lot of creative, crazy people in both. So I figured there was probably a decent amount of overlap. And, and why not just kind of bring that group together? So. Cool. Uh, so why partner with us? I guess those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think, um, question. You know, I mean, I, I've been a listener for a while, and um, <clears throat> I, I think we were at Blackheart one night, and and I had brought some beer by for folks to try, um, just because I was I'd been working and getting ready to do actually what ended up being our Doppelbach. So I had brewed a uh, Doppelbach for fr for a friend who had, had actually moved to Seattle, who was one of the other co-founders of of Hop Clouds. And you guys tried it and um, everyone seemed to like it. And so it was like, well, you know, is there a way to help 
um, you know, local podcast that does good stuff. Is there a way for us to, you know, raise some money for this? So that's, that was kind of the impetus for it. And, and, you know, since then it's, um, you know, we've had a couple of folks join. There's actually, I actually just bottled um, the next beer um, that I'm doing. And then um, in addition to that, there was another beer bottled um, about a week earlier. So we're going to have at least four, possibly maybe up to six beers for our reopener party. So, you know, it's just, it's just a way for, you know, there's a lot of time when you're brewing where you're just kind of waiting for things to happen. And that's a great time to talk about soccer. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he went to four other Minnesota United soccer podcasts. They all said no. Then he came to, came to me. And I, was like, <laughs> I mean, Martin, Martin, had just, Martin had just quit the podcast. I was like, fuck it. Let's, uh, let's monetize this bitch. And, and um, you've tried to convince yourself that we do good things. Yeah, <laughs> you say, you say podcasts that do good things. I would just like to add that with some editorial, you know, we do great things and also a lot of mediocre things. So don't just limit it to good things. Yeah. I mean, that makes us perfect for MLS, right? Moments yeah, of exactly. brilliance, moments of brilliance, but the yeah. vast majority of it is somewhere between slightly above mediocre and aggressively mediocre. <laughs> it's true. This, those are the moments that make a game, right? If you watch soccer, there's like one or two moments where you're like, holy crap, that's incredible. And then you're like, uh, and these other 40 minutes, this kind of sucks. So, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of like uh, sitting around waiting for shit to happen and brewing. So yeah, very sounds very similar. Yeah, um, yeah let's yeah. let's extend this analogy to brewing, Christian. You know, yeah. are there, there are times where, I mean, not just obviously some beers you, you taste after and you're like, oh no, this this, this didn't work. Mm-hmm. But but just within the process itself, I'm I'm sh- sure there are times that are are very mediocre or or not not this process mm-hmm. is not as fun. <laughs> Can you uh, oh for talk sure a little bit more about your your process? Uh, uh, maybe how sure. you how you started uh, uh, building this kind of homebrew on steroids system you have? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I I got um, I've been homebrewing for a while, but I got really serious about it really right around end of 2017 and started assembling the system that you know most homebrew systems are usually like a five gallon batch. Mine's about double that size, um, which is not like on scale of things is not enormous, but it's really um, the the reason mine has gotten bigger is more consistency. Um, what I would say is you know. Um, Every, every beer that you make is a little different um, and inevitably something goes wrong. It almost always happens. Um, the Doppelbox actually, the, the home opener Doppelbox, um, literally just about everything went wrong. Um, I, had, I, had bought, I had a capper, which is basically how you assemble uh, or you, you, know, you seal the beer when it's gonna carbonate. I had a capper shatter in my hands. Oh no. I had, I had, a, I had propane run out. I had a burner not work. I had I mean, literally just about everything that could go wrong literally went wrong. Um, but the beer still turned out well. Um, you know, I'd say in terms of kind of the analogy of mediocreness, um, you know, there's points where you like you get things up to temperature and then they have to sit for an hour. Um, you know, and then you're kind of like, okay, you're, you're checking your steps and that sort of thing. Um, but the, you know, I think the, what makes good brewers, I would hope, um, I don't know if I include myself on that yet, but uh, someday is, you know, really attention to detail and really caring about the process. Um, and for me, it's, you know, part of it's just a little bit of the alchemy and the fun of 
hanging out with friends and, and getting to do something that, you know, you spend time and energy on and, uh, you know, and, and see folks enjoy it afterwards, which is kind of cool. So you should definitely include yourself in the, in the realm of good brewers because you absolutely well, are you. one. Well, I appreciate um, that. I think yeah. so. The, the coffee cream ale is a, is a fiendishly difficult beer because you essentially have three elements, right? You have the coffee element, you have the cream, and you have the beer, the beer backbone. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the things I think the beer did really successfully was really move nicely between those flavors. So you really got a, a nice coffee punch up front without it being overly bitter. It mellowed out really nicely into the cream, then you had that good malt. So I think, I think that alone is, a, is indicative of a very uh, high level of attention to detail and a very skilled brewer. So yeah. applaud it on that. Um, what style of beer would you like to brew that you haven't yet? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I'm finding that I am getting into a lot more of the kind of crazy, crazy styles. When I say stuff like that, like doing an extreme beer, you know, so um, one of the ones that um, I've talked about for probably the, um, the close, the, the closing of the season beer, if you will, because I generally brew outside. So um, tend to brew as soon as I can get water flowing again and then close up when it starts to get frozen. Um, one of the brews we've talked about is doing an icebox. So basically think about the Doppelbach that we had as the home opener, but then you actually start freezing the beer to pull out um, water and actually concentrate it down. So now we're talking like a 14% or, um, you know, 14% uh, you know, ABV beer. Um, we might end up going, you know, even higher at some point. I've looked at, you know, what about doing like a 40 proof beer? So there's all sorts of stuff like that, which I think is kind of fun to explore. Um, and then there's, there's lots of really good brewers, uh, you know, for those who are interested in brewing out there, um, BrewDog actually is a great um, Scottish founded um, brewery that literally open sources all of their recipes. So you can literally see all of their recipes all the way back to when they were founded in 2007. You know, and it's a great resource just to say like, I want to do this crazy thing. Well, let me see of the 480 recipes they've done, have they done something similar? You know, and that's just a great resource as you kind of explore you know, um, and it's, I would, I would uh, make the analogy kind of like to MJ, like, you know, loves cooking and, you know, let's play around with some things. And, you know, to your point, sometimes it works and sometimes it, it really doesn't. Um, I try not to share the ones that really don't, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's kind of how it works. How'd you get uh, teamed up with City Girl for this beer? That's a great question. Uh, so I was actually at Whole Foods um, looking at different coffees and one of their, um, one of their employees was there sampling coffee. And I actually, believe it or not, I smelled City Girl before I, I um, ended up talking with her because I was looking through all these coffees and I was like, God, this, there's, there's some coffee here that's super aromatic. Mm -hmm. And she happened to be behind me by about five feet. And I turned around and I was like, you know, can I, can I smell this coffee and stuff? And, and, you know, to your point, Dan, I was looking for something that was really highly aromatic. Mm -hmm. um, and then as I heard the story of City Girl, I mean, that's the other thing I love. Um, I, you know, to the extent that we can, I love partnering with groups like, you know, um, The Plastics and City Girl and, and, and highlighting things that I think, you know, honestly just don't get highlighted enough. So if we can raise a group up or some visibility to the extent that the tens of dozens um, follow our group, you know, um, can, <laughs> can do that. I, I do think it's worth, you know, highlighting, celebrating folks who are doing some cool stuff you know, um, both in business and, uh, you know, in the community. 
Um, <clears throat> well, speaking of that, is there anything you, you're willing to share on the podcast about stuff you have coming up, or is that all still under wraps? Yeah, so that I know well, a lot of that's under wraps. Yeah, so the one that um, the one that we have that I just bottled, I actually bottled half of it yesterday and a half of it today, is a, um, a Citra Session IPA. So Ooh. this is going to be our second in the soccer series. So one of the things that we did was try to like meld. Um, you know, if you look at Zenith City, we we basically were like, how do we take a beer and turn it into a soccer club? Because we're all dying for soccer right now. Um, and so Citratown want the the beer's name actually is Citratown Wanderers. And that will be um, coming out. That's just now going into carbonation. So it's probably two to three weeks before it's ready. But the idea is a really heavily hop session IPA. So it's going to be aggressive, but also at like four and a half to 5% alcohol. Um, I have, I have all the numbers. I just haven't done the calculation yet. So I'd have to double check it. And I can't do that off my head after having had two beers. <laughs> Damn it, Christian, you can't calculate specific nope. gravity off the top <laughs> exactly, of your head. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So on, on the Zenith City Coffee Cream Ale, the bottle, the, the graphics are well done. You know, it is in the uh, City Girl Coffee colors, you know, where you mm -hmm. have, you have a, a, a shade of pink there and uh, a picture of the Duluth Lift Bridge, which is yep. where City Girl Coffee is based. Mm -hmm. uh, who did that design for you? Believe it or not, that design was me. So I, 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 if I'm, if what I would say is if, if you look at a bottle and it's not, um, it's not attributing a designer, it may be myself or someone in the group that doesn't want to be attributed to. Um, <laughs> there are elements of that, obviously like the city girl logo and the lift bridge image that are shamelessly stolen. Um, you know, but one of the things I wanted to do with that beer was also highlight, I think, I think certain shades of pink and, um, fuchsia, if you will, can be really powerful colors and they're not used enough, you know, I mean, and I don't mean just for like female teams. I think they should be used more for all teams. Um, you know, and right. I think candidly, I feel like inter, uh, inter Miami missed a huge opportunity to like own those colors. Um, and so I, I'm a big believer in like, you know, it's, it's, it's only, um, it's only gender specific because we've all agreed that it is. And I don't agree that it is. So I, I'd love for us to see some team like, own that and be aggressive and really go after it. And so my thought was like, what if there was a team in Duluth that did that? And so Zenith City, the name comes from, that's the nickname of Duluth. Um, you know, and, and part of it was, how do you tie the name back to some elements of the beer that, you know, which in this case is City Girl, and then have it, you know, if you look at the logo, you'll notice there's a strong um, connection to Manchester City. You know, the, the architecture of the logo is extremely similar but with different elements, right? So that's kind of how it, you know, there oh. should be like two degrees you can kind of. My wife, my wife noticed when she had one, so. <laughs> well, good. I'm a Liverpool fan as, as, as you are, Dave, too. So yeah. it kind of pained me to design in that, but I was like, you know, it just fits what I'm looking for. And oh, you know, we, just need a, we just need a, a cop beer, so. <laughs> there you go. That's uh, all that matters. Um, cool. Uh, Minneapolis City and the Flamingos that have kind of owned pink. Yeah. Yep. hundred yep. percent. Um, so I guess, uh, uh, one kind of final question, um, and then you sure. can talk a bit more about, uh, getting both. are there any, I mean, I, I know you are working with some groups and some mm -hmm. people on, on beer stuff. Um, obviously 
we need to chat a little bit more about uh, what Zenobia is going to look like. Are there any Absolutely. teams or or SGs or, or you know places that you're that you want to collaborate with that you haven't yet that are that you know that you would like in your dream a dream world like who you would want to? Yeah, thank you, MJ. Fucking Everton, we get it. Um, <laughs> is, there any, is there any SGs or teams or whatever that you would love to collaborate with? Um, so around um, so, the world, and maybe they can listen to you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're we're talking with plastics. Um, we we want to figure out what that is. I mean, awesome. you know, I I would love for that to happen. I'd love to do something um, either with plastics and or with dark glitterati because I think again, I I want to celebrate what's what's really good in our community. And and you know, as, as you listen to the podcast from last week, you know, dark glitterati is you know was really unique, and then plastics came along, so they're kind of of the same mold. And I think that again, those should be celebrated. Okay. Um, you know, I would say kind of more broadly, we're looking at some stuff with, um, Ford Madison. Um, they actually offered us the watermelon, which, um, I politely <laughs> turned down cause I was worried about botulism. <laughs> um, but, but, but I think there's some stuff there that's kind of cool. Um, you know, so, um, and, and I would love to do something. I, I know the folks over at Minneapolis city or I know some of them, I should say, um, and, and, and I think there's, I, I would love to celebrate local soccer more because I think there's some really cool stuff and um, longer term, I'd love to see the craft beers themselves, uh, the craft brewery, the pro breweries do something with local soccer. Cause I think there's a lot of overlap there. Um, we are going to be doing a collaboration with Sisyphus. Um, so, and that will actually be a beer for sale. Um, wow. Great. Yeah. So that's, that's we're we're ironing out the details of how that works it will be brewed on their system which is as you can imagine substantially larger <laughs> than my home brew system yeah. um you know and i think um and, and it will be obviously under their license and everything and all of that so we got to make sure all of those i's and t's are dotted yeah mj when christian when you look at changing scale from the batches that you brew on your you know, large for the average home brewer system sure. to something like Sisyphus's system. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I would guess an issue of scale and maybe an issue of process, like, or like different, slightly different processes or equipment. What sort of challenges oh, in yeah, for sure. building would, would you like, the, hey, we brewed this on the hot cloud system, tastes great. What sort of considerations do you have to be thinking about when you go, when you go to a, a a full-scale, uh, large-scale Sisyphus system? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to, um, you know, how similar is the equipment? You know, so um, I've worked, you know, for those who don't know, I've worked in food marketing and food new product development for over 15 years. I'm actually a marketer by training. I'm not a food scientist. Although two of the other founders of HopClouds, one was an operations person and one was a food scientist, both of us, or all three of us worked at the same um, branded food company at the same time. Um, they, we've all actually now gone on to different jobs. Um, but long story short, um, when you look at the systems, part of it is how similar are they in, in, in determination? And then is there a way to do or to replicate what you would do at a big scale, a smaller scale? So like even, um, I didn't bring it, I, I'm not drinking it now, I'm actually drinking a Zenith. But downstairs, I did a one gallon batch because uh, on, on a different beer called an, an Imperial Red Rye that um, I wanted to see how it was going to turn out before I went, you know, to a full 10, ga 10 gallon batch. 
Now, when you're doing something like 150 or 200 gallons, you know, cost comes in, right? So there are things like the heart of darkness that um, I did as a chocolate milk stout last year. You know, we had lactose in there. We had Mexican vanilla. We had cocoa powder. We had um, cholaca, which is this like special ingredient made only in Boulder, you know, and, and that, you know, that batch is really expensive to make. And then when you, you know, times that by 15, now you're like, we can do things at a small scale that a big brewery really can't and still make money at. So that's, that's part of the considerations they have to think about, you know, as long as we have people buy the beer, I don't, you know, um, I don't really, I mean, I care about that. I want Sisyphus to do well. And, and, and the idea of collaborating with them is in part to recognize that like a lot of these small scale guys, you know, not the Fultons, not the Surleys, but the small scale guys, 90% of their revenue is just like evaporated. You know, obviously Saint for, I mean, Blackheart, 100% right now is evaporated. And so like, you know, I, I feel like for those of us who are lucky enough to still, you know, be either working or, or have some income, you know, supporting those, um, those folks to make sure that they last beyond this is like super important. So it's just, that's, that's part of it. But anyway, I, I meandered off your question. Um, if I can be more precise about my question, when I'm cooking food, and I look at a, a recipe that I think is too large or too small, and I want to modify that, you know, my initial, my initial, you know, I'll take a recipe maybe that I've made before for just myself, which means four sure. servings. And I typically will eat all those four servings in one sitting or, you know, maybe two to three and then have a little bit of leftovers. But, you sure. know, cooking for one for me means cooking for four. But then now I want to feed my family, you know, yeah. like I have a, a sister and a brother-in-law with two nieces and two nephews and, and my parents, and I'm starting to modify that. I will notice that the first time I do this, if I just strictly multiply this um, mm -hmm. and, and it gets me close, but there's yeah. some tweak, you know, as I taste, as I go, there's some tweaking that needs to happen. Do you find that with beer recipes as well? That, that, Oh Yeah you can't just simply multiply by one factor across all the ingredients and have oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's a huge um, piece of it. And actually I brought my book along. So the re the listeners will not be able to see this, but you guys will have a sense of what this is. This is my brew log, you know, and what you can see here, this entire page is just calculations, right? So it's not that interesting to, to folks, but one of the big things is efficiency. So when you're, when you're doing this system, like, you you basically efficiency is like how much sugar you essentially get out of the grains um and um big commercial systems have a lot more efficiency so you know the benefit to them is that you know what would cost me maybe you know five extra dollars to throw in a couple of extra pounds of grain you know at a big scale would cost you know five hundred thousand extra dollars you know um so that's where um, it's going to be a, it is a collaboration between the person who really knows that system really well to then go back and say, okay, so this is what I've done on this scale and here's my efficiency. And this is how I've kind of set this up and my fermentation schedule. And they go, okay, let's, we've done this before. Let's adapt this. And we think it will look like X. Now, my hope is, you know, some of it, even on the Zeta city, you know, it's still like your case, MJ, it's still cooking a little bit and that you, you know, you're, there is a little bit of guesstimation, if you will. It's not always perfect, but the hope is between the the two, um, the Sam, who's the head brewer there, myself, 
And then some of their other experienced brewers, we just sit down and say, this is what I'm going for. Does this work for you guys? How would you adapt this to your system? So, but it will, it, the mash is going to be the big piece. That's where the grains are converted into sugars. Um, and that's where things will get kind of hairy, I think. Cool. So um, all the stuff Christian has been talking about is why I was a crappy home brewer. Because like, <laughs> at some point, you've been in the brew store for two hours trying to do the math on, on your conversion rate. And, and, your, and at, at some point, good brewers go, I'm going to buckle down and I'm going to get this right. And I went, screw it, this seems right. And um, I poisoned no one. No one has ever been poisoned by a beer I brewed. Um, I did uh, grossly miss, uh, I was brewing a Belgian double and missed my ABV oh, nice. by uh, <clears throat> half. Uh, <laughs> so it was supposed to be wow. seven. It was supposed to be 7%. And I pitched my yeast too hot. It was 14. Ooh, wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that beer. And it was a honey, it was a honey double. So it went down real smooth. <laughs> People got real drunk. <laughs> I mean, is that a bad thing or? It's a it's a bad thing. Like, look, when someone when someone sets out. Uh, by the way, if you guys haven't watched Letter Kenny, there's an entire episode devoted yeah. to the concept of uh, I'll drink six beers. If you set out <laughs> to drink six beers, then it's not a problem when you drink six beers. But when you think you're drinking one yes. and you're drinking three at a time because the ABV is super high, but it's all hidden by honey, um, you shouldn't accidentally have someone uh, black out in your bathroom. That's the kind of a general like rule in life. If someone wants to do that, more power to them. Isn't, isn't that the goal? Yeah, so that, sounds, that sounds like uh, mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> um, Unfortunately for you guys now, we've got like one listener left, and it's probably me still. <laughs> uh, so Christian, um, so yeah, I know you have other people like have joined HopCloud since you guys oh, yeah. started. Um, how, how would people get involved? Um, I know you guys do some brewing. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, that would I, thing is a little harder, but... Tell people how yeah. they get involved. They want to. If they want to get involved, you know, as we move past all this bullshit. Sure. Yeah, I would say the easiest way is to look us up on Twitter. So we're at Hop Clouds on Twitter, and um, DMs are always open. And we've we've got folks who've reached out um, who um, have started brewing, um, and you know, it's it's a lot of fun when you're doing it with multiple folks who. You've got some folks who are really you know experienced, and you have some who are novices, and they can kind of help each other out. Um, and then I would say we, you know, I, I, we've had a couple of folks who reached out and said, Hey, I've, I've heard I should come to you to try and figure out because I've always wanted to brew, but I don't want to actually go pro. It's like, okay, well, come on in. We'll, we'll do a batch together. We'll figure it out. And then, you know, for it's, it's one of those hobbies where it's, it's, it honestly is a shitload of work. Like every time I do it, I get done and I'm like, man, that was like seven hours. My body hurts. Why am I doing this? You know? Um, but at the same time, like, you know, at some point when all this reopens, we're going to have a shit ton of beer that we're going to have to drink, um, and celebrate that we're all back together. Right. Um, we're also talking about one of our openings will be a, a barbecue and brew. So like a lot of folks, cool. um, some of the brewers are also big foodies and, and there's been a little bit of, we've heard about a brisket, um, on the podcast. We've also heard about, um, there's some folks who have done some amazing ribs. And so they're like, let's get together, brew some, like drink some beer, but brew some beer and also like barbecue. And I'm like, let's, let's do it. Let's, you know, let's just celebrate all being able to get back together when we can. Dan, get in on that. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, uh, I picked up a tri-tip this morning. That'll be, nice. uh, and then took nice. Wednesday off of work. So it'll be a mental health tri-tip. <laughs> nice. Very nice. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, Christian, we are very uh, appreciative of the Hot Clouds uh, wanting to be a part of this bullshit. But um, we, again, we're super appreciative and you guys have done amazing work. And I think uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, actually sitting down and maybe chatting about what uh, Dave's I Know Beer is going to look like in the yeah. fall. Fucking yeah. A, man. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Um, I, I, that, I like that uh, icebox idea. Nice. Yeah, I like that idea of a 40% APV. <laughs> yeah, that, that too. That too. Uh, Good old tactical <laughs> nuclear penguin. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, someone knows, someone knows Brewdog. I do. Yeah. Nice. I mean, if we're going to host MLS Cup Final here in February of this year, yeah. we're going to get fucking hammered. Yeah, <laughs> we need to feel so, no weather. Yes, exactly. So I would <laughs> just like to thank Christian for just being a, a really cool dude coming on this podcast, uh, being a great uh, beer person. And if any of you see this person at Blackheart, uh, if we ever get back into Allianz, if you see him around um, and you're not a beer person, you, maybe this person like has shut off their their SoundCloud right now. You're, you're not interested in beer at all. But if you've turned it on now and you're unfortunately listening to my voice, Talk to Christian about, he's very knowledgeable about a lot of different topics. He's a great guy to talk to. Introduce yourself. Very friendly. You know, reach out because he's a cool dude. Oh, thank you, MJ. Yeah. All right, you done fucking his dick. Well, there's, there's an endorsement <laughs> there. Uh, all right. Uh, other United news. Um, Dark Clouds Twitch stream. Um, did you, you had, you, MJ, you were on there, right? I saw you. I was. Christian, where you were on the... This, I did not oh, make it this time. Oh, on Saturday. Okay. Uh, uh, it was... Bill, you weren't there. It was great. No, I wasn't. We watched the uh, 2011 uh, first leg final. The, at, the one that actually like had some goals in it. All right. I watched, I watched that earlier earlier in the plague. Fair. Yeah, exactly. But now the stream. It was great. Um, uh, the other, other bit of piece of United News. Um, Tyler Miller is playing in a uh, EMLS tournament. Playing mm. fake soccer online, and apparently that's a thing. So, just want to point that out. And then, uh, oh, so guys, uh, I got a cameo from Darwin Quintero. <laughs> uh, it was it David, was not Queen cameo. Uh, I'm gonna, this, is I'm gonna, media, this is a social media site that not yeah. everyone's familiar with. So I think I'm gonna cameo. I think I'm gonna drop it in sometime, like right here. Hello, day, my friend. Uh, thank you for your support. Thank you for following me when I was playing for Minnesota United. Have a good day with your friends and your family. Thank you, my friend. Okay. Uh, so that, was Darwin loves you, that was Darwin Quintero. Fucking A, guys. It was awesome. He did not. God damn. I asked him to, uh, I asked him to say the days I know are idiots, and he did not say that in the cameo. He's too um, nice. I think he, I, I also think it's mostly because he doesn't speak English very well. Uh, it's his second language, which also he doesn't sense. know us personally. That's fair. Um, but uh, so the the other the other thing to point out is that Christian Ramirez is also available nice. and yeah. does speak English and does I think know who I am. So I could probably get him to say the Dave Vanilla Idiots for fifteen dollars. And you are I think, so yeah. So if you want to like randomly send me something let me know if you want to pay for christian Ramirez 15 bucks to say the days i know are idiots please cameo.com so cameo is uh yeah you can basically like 
pay famous people to say shit for you or to like wish <laughs> a whole, whole new level of Patreon. Or, it's it's a, it's fucking weird, man. And um, yeah. I've been obsessed with it for like a year, and they've only recently gotten a lot of soccer people on there. Like it was for a long time was like you know not a ton of soccer people, but they have like really random celebrities. And the the yeah. the, 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 the the amounts that people cost is so fucking random. Like I was looking and, and I saw Ryan Sandberg, so Cubs second baseman, Hall of Famer Ryan Sandberg. It's like 125 bucks. He'll record like a two minute video for you telling your friend to do, you know, like wishing him happy, whatever. He's getting married, happy marriage or whatever. Um, and then, you know, random like WWE wrestlers are like $5 to record a yeah. video. It's, it's, uh, it really is like, fuck, talk about fucking capitalism. Yeah. It's fucking it's like I, I got Adrian Heath to tell me how much he wants to suck my toes. Yeah, you know, uh I wish I wish you were saying the truth there, Bill, because god damn it. Um, <laughs> I would I don't Basically. I'm I'm trying to decide how much money I would pay to have Adrian Heath say hashtag Heath out <laughs> on a cameo. <laughs> That would be beautiful. I'm not sure. I'm not sure there is a, an amount that I would say yeah. no. That's like reasonable. Maybe you could add this to our Patreon if people want to donate specifically for the Adrian Heath you know, cameo to say hashtag Heath out. You know, Cal Williams is on there. Yeah. So maybe yeah, we could get maybe uh, we could get him to Heath, say Heath, Heath out. Heath is not on cameo. Callum is. Kendra yeah. is also on cameo. We could get well. all. We could pay each and every one of them to say Heath out. Oh, Cal, Cal <laughs> Cal's not going to say he has to oh. Heath out. Kendra. And we're paying them. They he, better jump. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know what would be even amazing? What would be even more amazing is if you could get Harrison Heath to say Heath. <laughs> Oh, I think that that would probably be the best chance of all of them. Probably that would be that would be the the best. Um, God, if I could get him to say something about how like how he appreciates that I wake up to him every morning. Yeah, yeah I mean, David, <laughs> I have I have his picture on my my fucking nightstand. So if anyone kind of has a sense. relationship with Harrison Heath on this podcast, David, it's you. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Uh, all right. So, um, yeah, I'm going to, I, obviously you heard that Darwin Quintero drop at some point. I'm not sure exactly when I threw it in. I threw it in at some point, but um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to keep that in the, uh, in the podcast for, for here on out. And uh, yeah, if you want to, if you can, if you can convince Darwin Quintero or Christian Ramirez to say the names I know uh, suck or the names I know are idiots or something like that um, and can get them to record that on cameo and send it to you, send it to me and, I will I will play that in the podcast every goddamn time. They'll be the open of the podcast. Um, there's no already just a just a, <clears throat> a sting. I want to get Dom Dwyer to say he'd much rather be with MJ than Sidney Larue. <laughs> I did I didn't know I don't know if Dom Dwyer's on cameo or not. So worth a worth a look. I'm uh, looking I'm looking right now. All right, uh, MJ. Uh, I don't swing that way, and I don't know if Dom Dwyer does, but there's you know, no there's no one way. You know, yeah, it's Dom Dwyer. It, it's yeah, a, exactly. Yeah. How could how could you say no to Dom Dwyer? G- Gender is a spectrum, MJ, and uh, and uh, we're all on it. Have you have you ever have you seen Tiger King? All I know I from, not. Uh, all I know from Tiger King is that there was a, a gay guy who 
uh, made straight guys gay. So Dom Dwyer, uh, he's like the Joe Exotic of uh, MLS. There we go. That's, that's the podcast title. Dom Dwyer is the Joe Exotic of MLS. <laughs> Anyways, MJ, once once a loon, take us take us away on once a loon, please. Uh, kind of just trying to latch on to the popularity of of some comments David made last week. Uh, Jimmy Watson and his journey from Minnesota uh, heckled hatred to loon love. I would like to insert 2004. To be fair, I never said he was. 2005, third round. I never said Jamie Watson was loved by the loons. Or he, I, was no, never, but, I never loved Jamie Watson, but to be fair. But go ahead, MJ. We're talking about him going to Nashville as a color commentator. And I just wanted to kind of piggyback on that as I do, uh, because I have no original ideas. You know, I just kind of try to insert comments about people who have good ideas and try to take them to the next level. So in 2005, in the U.S. Open Cup, the Minnesota Thunder were in USL 1. That was the second division league at the time. And they beat the Chicago Fire Premier. So a fourth division Chicago Fire, you know, Premier USL Premier Development League team. They beat Chicago Fire Premier in the second round. And they advanced to have to travel to Real Salt Lake or fake Salt Lake, if you will. And the Minnesota Thunder ends up going toe-to-toe with Real Salt Lake. Now, this is the game, Bill, correct me if I'm wrong, that you dive like Jamie Watson is born. I think so. Yeah. Know, but So, so because uh, Jason Kreiss, and who drew a penalty very early in the game, like in the ninth minute, in, uh, or maybe he didn't draw it, someone else did, but Jason Kreiss takes a penalty in the ninth minute. They go – Real – Saw they go up one nothing, but apparently Jamie was flopping all over the place, going down every chance he got, you know, <laughs> in, in, inside the box. And so the the chant "You dive like Jamie Watson" was born. Um, after Christ scored the penalty kick, Minnesota actually the Thunder actually go up. Uh, I was not watching the Thunder at this time, but they were led. The front three were all from. Liberia. They were all mm-hmm. from the Monrovia uh, part of Li- Liberia. And that was uh, Tarly, uh, Mayonger, and uh, Alan Pay. Did I get the names right, Bill? Yep, you did. And so uh, Mayonger scores, and then, uh, oh, no, sorry, Tarly scores and Mayonger scores. Thunder are leading 2 1 for a brief period. And then Jamie Watson ties it 2 2. Jason Christ scores a second goal to go up 3 2. And that's, uh, you know, pretty late. That's maybe the 50th minute, um, or not late, but into the second half. Tarly ties it in the 66th minute, 3-3. Christ scores his hat trick in the 70th minute. And it looks like Real Salt Lake are going to advance to the next round of the U.S. Open Cup in 2005, winning 3-2. to two. But Aaron Pay, the Liberian that's not on the score sheet yet, he scores in the 89th minute you know, last minute goal to tie it 3-3. It goes into extra time and a d- defender called Matt Schmidt and then uh, Aaron Pay, uh, they scores again. And, and as a result, 
Minnesota Thunder dethrone an MLS squad in the U.S. Open Cup. They win by two goals in extra time. But that is where you dive like Jamie Watson is born. And any time, you know, he has a, you know, he's, he played college at North Carolina. You know, his first club was with the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, Tornadoes in the, in the PDL. But then he played for Real Salt Lake. And then he played for the Austin Aztecs U23 team, got briefly played one game for FC Dallas. And then was his 2009 was on a, a very, uh, how do we put this? Uh, you know, he played for the Charleston Battery. He played for the Wilmington Hammerheads and then eventually ended up with the Austin Aztecs senior team in 2009. And that's kind of where he found a home. And so he spent, uh, you know, two or three years with the Austin Aztecs, four years with the Orlando City team when they were with uh, USL, USL Pro with the second division team or third division team, depending on how you count. And then eventually moved to the Orlando City team that went to MLS, all with Adrian Heath as his coach. You know, from the Austin Aztecs, Orlando City, USL, Orlando City, MLS. Uh, Briefly in there, he was loaned by Orlando City to the Minnesota Stars in 2012 for their championship run. And then spent the next entire year, 2013, with Orlando City. And then where most people kind of know him as a loon, you know, he came... 2014 to 2016, those uh, non-MLS, those NASL years that that Bruce McGuire owned the club, or Bill McGuire owned the club. Yeah, I owned it, not my brother. Sorry. <laughs> the, the, the other Bill McGuire um, that we talk about sometimes here. But, you know, so now he's with uh, Color Commentary for Nashville. He joins Brad Baker, who we talked about last week. Um, on the video production side of things, interesting connection. Abu Dinladi and Eric Miller play for the club now, or in the case of pandemic times, don't play for the club now. Uh, correction on a mistake last year, Michael the Rocket Reed played for the USL Nashville SC, not the MLS version. Trivia question. In 2003, Jamie Watson played on the U-17 World Cup in Finland and was started at forward and played next to a USA young player at the time that I have been known to heckle. Does anyone know who that is? 2003? Yeah. U-17? Yep. Freddie Adu? Very good, David. So yeah. You got to make these harder, buddy. He he played with Freddie Adu on the U seventeen World Cup team in in Finland. You know uh, Freddie Adu is on cameo. <laughs> is he? Yeah. Jamie I'm looking Watson, at it. I'm looking at it right now. Oh fuck! There's a, there's a James Watson who's a professional fisherman uh, who's twenty bucks. I kind of want to see if he'll just like do some Jamie Watson. Like if you will <laughs> I dive like Jamie Watson. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Like, is, is that is it is it worth twenty bucks to me? Yeah, maybe I don't know. Is it worth well, twenty bucks to somebody else? I don't know. Uh, 
slide into our DMs if you want to pay for it and send it to me because we could always use some stings on the podcast. Is is yep. the NBA player Jamie Watson on? on... <laughs> no, there is no Jamie Watson on uh, on uh, cameo. Uh, how much is Freddie Adu? Uh, Forty five dollars. That's a little. Yeah, he still makes it, top dollars. Your Patreon dollars, everyone. You want Freddie uh, to say something? There's an adult film star called Max Adonis for twenty bucks, and that's probably a better use of my money. Freddie uh, Smadu, how much right, is me? Cool. MJ, anyway, cool. any anything else on on Jamie? Well, I just like to go down the line here, Christian. You can join in as well. Like, what is your favorite favorite Jamie Watson moment? And I will go first. My favorite Jamie Watson moment happened actually off the pitch for as many brilliant things that he did on the pitch um, that, that weren't dives. You know, my, my favorite moments happened off the pitch. Uh, first and foremost was when I interacted with him. It was either on Facebook or Twitter and asked him if it was okay if we kept the you dive like Jamie Watson chant. And he was all for it. And, oh, yeah. and, and he was a very good sport about that and self-deprecating. And the other time was, I, I believe it was Brits. It might've been another, not, Dark Clouds event, but but a Minnesota United event, uh, bar trivia or something like that that he was hosting, and he was doing some Q and A, and since most of the people there were not in the supporters group, they were more, you know, peripheral fans or people who sat in other sections. I ended up, you know, doing my homework and asking him some very detailed biographical questions, and. Halfway through my questioning, as long-winded as I get, he was just like, hey, what's your name? And he was just so impressed with how much I knew about him. He was like, what's your name? I swear he won't remember my name now or even my, my initials. But uh, it was great to see how personal he was and recognizing that I had done some homework and asked some questions other than what's your favorite flavor of ice cream or how do you become a pro soccer player or something more generic like that. That's actually um, kind of funny. That ties into actually to mine, MJ. Um, I think he probably would remember your name because, uh, again, I, I do remember like him scoring that goal in 2014, uh, that amazing goal that he scored. But I think it was when he was a broadcaster for Minnesota United um, in 2017, the first first year in MLS, the, um, the friendly that we had, uh, I don't know if you guys remember that, um, that was like the, the team did not broadcast that game. So I got a call from uh, Notch uh, basically asking me if I was going to be at um, the Nomad for the pregame before going over to watch. Uh, can't even remember. I can't even remember who the fuck we played. Was it maybe it was Pachuca? Or yeah, it was Pachuca. Yeah, it was Pachuca. Pachuca. Anyways, so like there was like hardly anybody there. He, and I was like, ah, I don't know. Maybe just going to go straight to the. TCF or whatever, because when I looked over at Lexington and Selby, walk up to the train, um, and he's like, Jamie Watson's going to be there. The, their team's recording something. So, so like, it, it, you can, there's actually video of, like, me, like, leading a bunch of dark clouds at the Nomad, uh, cheering, and, like, I interviewed with Jamie Watson for, I don't know, like, half an hour or whatever, and then he used, like, maybe, like, two minutes of that interview. Um and uh, he, it was, he was great. He's like, yeah, he, he actually like, had a beer with us because like, yeah, I'm, not, I'm, like, I'm working, but I'm not like, I don't have to go on like a live broadcast. So fuck it, whatever. I'll toast you guys and have a beer. 
uh, and then I don't know, it's maybe it's maybe like three months later, or whatever. Uh, saw him at a team thing, and he actually came up and was like, "Hey, David, how's it going?" Like he actually remembered my name. I was like, "Yeah, I respect the shit out of people like that who, um, you know, as much as Jamie Watson was a diving little shit, uh, the guy's he's 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 a good person. So um, respect the hell out of him for that. So that is like my my most endearing memory of Jamie Watson, um, and so that's one I want to convey out to the world. That's cool. Yeah. Anybody cool. else? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, just last year, I was out in Montreal for uh, an away match, and Notch and I went up to say hi before we left the stadium. Uh, him and Cal were doing the match. I don't think Kendra made the trip. And uh, we went up, and we were talking to him right after the game, and then they were going to go – they were at a commercial break, and they were going to go to a uh, – they were going to come back and do the post game, and they we had dark cloud flags with us, and they're like – can you guys hang around? We'll interview you. And uh, so they, they came back and they, they were doing a little post game and then they went to another commercial and they're like, all right, right after this commercial, we're going to interview you. And we were holding up our flags and the commercial's just about to end and the security dragged us off. <laughs> and later, like a week later, I saw the video and you can see Jamie turn around to interview us. And he's like, where did they go? <laughs> <laughs> it was great. And he, and he handled it perfect. He's just like, uh, okay. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I'll also shout out uh, Jamie being just a stand-up guy on Twitter and really interacting with the fans. I thought he was great. Absolutely. If I had to pick uh, one favorite Jamie Watson moment, it would require me picking one out of like three or four separate occasions that were identical. Um, as I've mentioned before, I used to work on the fourth floor of the building where Minnesota United has the whole third floor. And uh, he and Cal were into their office with some frequency. I only saw Kendra like once or twice. And on three, at least three separate occasions, I was getting off the elevator as he was coming on with his head down, looking at something on his phone and straight up almost headbutted me in the chest <laughs> the first time it was funny the second time i was like wow it's like the the, the just like the last time and then the third time i was like dude heads up heads up like just just give me a little bit i don't need eye contact i just need you to not headbutt me when i get on the fucking elevator you, said, you head but like jamie watson but he was always super apologetic about it so I will say um, I have a memory um, from season ticket holder event and it was at NSC and I, if I remember it was like August and I don't remember if this was 2017 or 2018 and it was hot as balls right and like we're out there and you know my son really wanted to go so I'm like fine I'll, I'll take you to this thing and we're there and we've got a soccer ball and I think my son really wanted to have like every player sign it and so Jamie Watson, Watson was there. And if I remember, he was like wearing a full suit with like alligator skin shoes or whatever, you know, have his light blue suit. And, you know, um, super nice guy. Just, you know, my son was like seven or eight at the time. Just comes up and he starts juggling with my son, you know, and like, just like nothing else mattered. They just ended up juggling for like five or six minutes, asked him like, you know, who's his favorite player and all these things. And, you know, and, and that kind of struck me as, um, you know, later on, um, 
when he was uh, doing color commentary at Allianz last year, you know, come up and be like, hey, yeah, I remember you from the season ticket event and all that stuff. And so just that type of, just that type of guy. Awesome. Thank you all for contributing. It's a good obituary. <laughs> it's, a, it's a shame he picked a fight with that street gang. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from now on, you will be called Shamey, Shamey Watson because you're not with Minnesota United anymore. Uh-huh. If Jamie, your rival, your rival, Jamie. If, if Jamie Watson wants to come on this podcast, he's happy. Well, I'm, I'm, we're more than welcome to have him. So prove he's uh, still alive. Make <laughs> it happen, yeah. David. You're, you're, you're the rainmaker. Make it happen. It could, it could. Um, yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're getting another uh, former Minnesota United player who actually played with uh, Jamie Watson. As a matter of fact, um, mentioned Taka Taka time coming on the podcast next week. So. Uh, Let's briefly talk about the match that we uh, yeah, yeah. that we wanted to watch. Um, Confederations Cup 2009, USA versus Spain. Uh, we'll set this. I'll set the stage. So this is in like June of uh, 2009. So it's the year before the uh, the World Cup down in Brazil. Oh, um, in, in South, South Africa. Africa. South Africa. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Yeah, South Africa. Uh, we did not qualify for the Confederation Cup at down in Brazil. Um, oh. I do remember this was uh, right when my marriage was falling apart. Ah, you were right. good times. <laughs> so, yeah, so I definitely remember watching this match uh, at the local um, and getting really fucking hammered yeah. uh, watching soccer. So, what are you guys talking a little bit more about? Yeah, yeah I, I, I know <laughs> a lot more match. about it. So, the big <laughs> thing about this match is going into it, uh, our our group stage, we lost our first two matches, we and lost uh, yeah, and uh, Egypt, and e- no, so we were yeah. going into our final game against Egypt, and we needed to score three goals, oh, three, yeah, and we needed Brazil to win by three goals, yeah. No, did we? So no, no, no. Yeah. Are you sure? Did yep. we draw with Egypt? And no, no we. We won. won. So what we we won three zero against Egypt in our third okay. game, and uh, and Brazil won three zero in their final game and against so, Portugal. Okay. And so and so we made it to the, to the next round, and so we played Spain. You know, it's, we played horrible our first two matches. The defending and, Euro Cup champions, Spain. Yeah, yeah. and they hadn't lost in fifty four games. Yep. For those that weren't watching world soccer, and I'm guessing most of our listeners were, but Spain was on a run where they they had won the Euros in 2008. They ended up yeah. winning the World Cup in 2010. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they ended up they were the best team in the world the following time in 2012. Yeah. So the major tournaments they were winning, they pretty much used the same roster in this 2009 yes. Confederations Cup, and I yeah. think I need to go into professor mode here and just bear with me that if you're not familiar with the Confederations Cup, you have to win your Confederation tournament. So the CONCACAF Gold Cup or, you know, uh, what's the CONMOBLE? Is it Copa Libertadores or? Copa America. Copa, Copa America. America. Sorry. Yeah, Libertadores is the club competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Copa Sud America. Copa America. You have to win the, the UEFA Euro or or the uh, the Asian uh, Confederations, the AFC Cup. But basically, you have to win your confederation to get in. 
And then because South Africa as the host gets an automatic bid, yeah, um, we got hosed on our pool. Like South Africa got the easy pool. They they had mm-hmm. one tough team in in Spain, and then we got Italy, Brazil, and Egypt. Yeah, um, and we lost against Italy three one and three nil against Brazil. Brazil. Yeah, um, it was bad. We really needed to win that last game against Egypt to progress to the to the semifinals. Yeah. So the guys we had on our team are basically the guys who are the all-stars of, mm-hmm. you know, the last, you know, 15 years of soccer, you know, from 2010 to 2015, not the last 15 years. And, uh, and they have become, you know, five guys who are in the top 10 of, of, of caps, top 10 of, uh, goals. And, uh, you know, Kristen Kristen was three years old when this match was played. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. And and he will not be in the top ten of caps and top ten of goals, is my guess. Anyways, uh, yeah, sorry, Christian, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say, I you know, I was struck with watching the game. There was two things that really struck me right off the bat, which was when you look at this Spanish team, which you know they were rated number one going into this yeah. game, rated number one in the world. To, to MJ's point, they would go on to win the World Cup. I mean, just the starting lineup, Xavi, Pique, Ramos, Puyos, Casillas, da- David Villa, Fabregas, Xavi Alonso. I mean, you literally have, like, Torres. some of the absolute best. And then on the U.S. side – David Villa. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, he David Villa when he actually was good. Um, yeah. And then and – then, but, like, on the our side, the thing that struck me was, like, there's literally not a player who on the day of the game was over 30. Right. No. So like no. everyone, I mean, you know, Altador is 19, Charlie Davies, who was, who played actually really well. Oh, he was great 23. that day. Um, Bradley was 22. You know, uh, even Howard was 30. Uh, Donovan was 27. Yeah. And, and yeah. it kind of made me appreciate watching this game. Um, wow. Like when, when these guys were in their prime, they were fantastic. But it also made me realize like we did a real disservice to kind of that next five to 10 year generation of not working them in during Jurgen Klinsmann and then, you know, mm-hmm. Bruce Arena and the team. Like, now I, I get it. Like, you got to earn your spot. Or they then, didn't fulfill their promise. Exactly. Yeah. It just, it's just like, wow, there was almost, you know, after this group, it was almost like a lost generation. But when these guys were on, that 4-4-2 was, was pretty much rocking. Mm-hmm. Um, now, both of the goals were kind of ugly. But still, it was, uh, yeah. you know, it was, it was kind of impressive. Well, with that Spanish team, with that Spanish team, you weren't breaking down the defense. There wasn't yeah. a way that you were gonna oh. like uh, totally, you know, tika taka your way in and then beat Casillas. Yeah. You weren't like if yeah. you were gonna score, you were gonna score ugly. I'm, and that that may yeah. have been the U.S.'s uh, their their saving grace in this game. Yeah, totally. Is whereas other great teams of the time had a style and they wanted to play a certain way and they felt like they could, you couldn't break down Spain's defense for a decade. No one could break down that defense, but the U S was willing to take one ball, make one stupid pass that Spain wasn't expecting them to make. And all of a sudden there was Mm -hmm. space. And in that game, that half chance, two half chances turned into a win. Yeah. And Josie's wasn't pretty, but he had him beat. Yeah. You know, an an interesting trivia tidbit on Josie's goal uh, I think Charlie Davies did a, a a lot of great work on that. Oh yeah, for sure. But um, I think both USA goals, as much as you want to credit 
Althador and Dempsey for doing the work. Like yeah. the 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 people who the second and and first assists get should get a lot of credit. Yeah, Davies and um, Donovan. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So Don on the second goal, Dempsey's goal, Donovan and and I think it was Failhaber subbed in. Was it? Yes. That then that, that just you know he picked off a you know or or got to a loose ball and then dribbled by two two players to get it over to Donovan. Yeah. I think it was Failhaber. That anyway, back to the first goal. Trivia trivia tidbit. Both Altador and uh, Joan Captavia, the 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 defender that he boxed out, were playing for Villarreal at the time. Yeah, yeah they were. And so, if there's one person that kind of knows Captavia's strengths and weaknesses at the time, it would have been Altador. You know, and Davies got him that ball. You know, yeah, yeah it took a deflection, but you know he was trying to pass in the ball, and despite. Uh, getting a foot on it you know it still got got to him because Altador used his body so well to to really really shield off Captavia um and and Iker Casillas gets a hand on it but it's it's not enough and I you know I'm looking at that when I like that's how you score against Spain right yeah yeah and then that match got so crazy towards the end, mm-hmm. you know, with Bradley's red card, yeah. <laughs> uh, which was, I don't even think that was a yellow card. Yeah, they had to find a way. So funny, a uh, fun fact, um, if the, if Spain had beaten the United States, they would have uh, beaten Brazil's uh, record for undefeated um, in a row. Uh, they were currently were tied with Brazil at 35. They had not, well, can you tell me the year that the Spain had last lost a match? This is 2009. Wow. So when, when had Spain last lost a, a match? 2006? Six, yeah. 2006, yep. Yeah. Correct. That was the last time. So, they, yeah, they lost this match, and then I don't think they lost another match until 2012. Wow. So... How fucking dominant Spain was for a long those of, time. Those of you who have talked to me about soccer, or especially those of you listening to this podcast that have played broomball with me or been on one of my broomball teams, know how much I value defense and know how much I appreciate defense. One of the things that really stuck out rewatching this game was yes, Tim Howard's fucking amazing. He's yeah. 30 years old and still probably in his prime for a goalkeeper. But looking at our back four, of, you know, Aguchi Anweyu and, and Carlos Bocanegra in the center, Car- Captain Carlos Bocanegra, and then Jay Demerit and uh, Jonathan Spector. Um, just, I mean, Ag- Aguchi Anweyu is, like, just blocking and intercepting so many passes, blocking so many shots. Uh, Carlos Bocanegra is kind of, as a captain, managing that back line, managing both uh, central uh, – further back midfielders, you know, he's managing that game. Uh, Jay Demerit, I mean, has been heralded as, as you know, this, this was his like getting recognized yeah. tournament where, you know, he really showed on both sides of the ball, both defending and attacking what he could do in this tournament. Yeah. And it was just, it was really fun to see partially because of the players that we had 
and the talent that they had at defense and being very competent and Bob Bradley's system, Bob, Bob Bradley's defensive system to shut a very, very potent Spanish attack down in, in 90 minutes. That it was really impressive. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up here a little bit. We don't really have any questions. Uh, and we're going to talk yeah. about Bundesliga next week. Um, yeah. but, uh, Tips, tricks, and treats to survive the Rona. Uh, MJ, what do you got? Oh, me first. Yeah. I, w- I would say uh, I haven't picked up anything really new since the last time you talked to me as far as surviving the Rona. I have some things that I haven't shared on this podcast yet. And so I would just say you want to balance things that are old and familiar with new things. You don't want to get stuck in a rut. Where, you know, I'm, for example, like for, for TV shows, I'm watching, I'm in season six, I've been binging Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and I'm in season six, and this is a series that I've watched twice before all the way through. And so it's, considering our political climate in the U.S. and how political or that sort of mix of culture and dealings with racism or outsiders or immigrants and dealing with the mixture of religion and politics and power plays and how people that could be your ally one week could be your enemy the next week, depending on how certain social, political, or economic things change. It's very, very interesting for me to watch it in this current light. So I've been watching Star Trek Deep Design. That's my familiar thing. And I've been getting into Babylon Berlin, something completely new. You know, I'm fixing bicycles. Love Babylon Berlin. Yeah. Uh, shout out again to Wes Berdine and, you know, David Zeller and Sheila Reagan uh, from the Minnesota football show that have gotten me into that. But, I mean, I'm fixing bicycles, which is something that I've always done. And I've started to learn how to try to fix toasters. You know, I, it's, it's really easy to get stuck in a rut and fall into bad habits. Or it's really easy to go to the other extreme and just try to experience all these new things. But, you know, like with my cooking, where I have my go-tos, things I have memorized, I know how to cook, and then ever so often try to throw in a new recipe every once in a while. Like, try to find that balance, and for everybody it's different, between something old and something new. Do you have, like, ten toasters, or do you just keep breaking the same one? And fix it? <laughs> no, 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 I, I have two. I have two, okay? And, and... It alternates between breaking one and then uh, having one for actual. Yeah, throw. one works and the other one he breaks. So yeah. I, I'm sorry, I I don't want to like overest like exaggerate my skills here, but like I fixed two toasters. So wow, Bill, why don't you uh, why you go next? What do you right, got? I, I got big ones. They're important. Yeah. Go for it. It's 4:20 today. Is it still today? Yeah, it, it is. is. It is still today. <laughs> Happy 420. So my advice is make every day 420. Yeah, I mean. I mean, Dave and I do. That was another thing. I, I recommend the other three of you guys do that, <laughs> whether you want to or not. So, uh, you know, that'll get you through this. Um We've nixed off most of my stuff, which is probably good. Um, the other one is, uh, you know, we don't talk about it a lot, but MLS classics keep getting posted every day on their website. If you go to MLSsoccer.com, uh, up on the top 
uh, row of all their links, you'll see the word classics. And uh, today they posted their first Minnesota United match. Mm-hmm. And it, it is our Allianz uh, home, uh, home opener against uh, NYFC. And uh, big spoiler alert, we tied them. And, but that was an amazing match. Uh, it's uh, well worth the watch. I'll be watching it tomorrow. First goal scored, yes. Uh, Ozzy Alonso. Yeah. The single greatest goal he scored his entire career. Yeah, yeah, it's a great goal. It's a great goal. It's it was a, a fucking banger. Yeah. yeah, it was a banger. Sean so, with the uh, most uh, egregious of uh, goalie <laughs> misfires. So yeah, so I look forward to watching that tomorrow. Cool. Uh, cool, cool. But yeah, every day there's uh, there you know they show great matches on there. Cool. What I go is- in for surgery, so I'll be watching a lot next week. That's right. That's right. What what's all this Paris Hilton stuff that you have in the uh, Google? Oh box? my God! So there's a there was a big like uh, techno uh, party. All these DJs playing from their homes, and you you would turn in and and watch and dance at your home, I guess. But Paris Hilton did this video series where she bought. She's a she's a DJ these days, and she bought exactly. all all this shitty lighting from Amazon, like consumer lighting. And she just had all these boxes around her, and she was unboxing them all. And then uh, she was trying to set them all up around her DJ rig. And, of course, she couldn't figure out how to put any of them together. It's just an awesome video. So uh, I don't know if we have a way to put that link out to people. We'll throw that link in the, uh, in the uh, show notes. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then the next one is actually her – doing her set, which is great because none of the lights are on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we will definitely throw those in the, uh, in the show notes for the, for the podcast. So. And then my final link is the guy this weekend from the liberate Minnesota. And it's, it's a, it's a fine, uh, proud boy, fucking racist <laughs> motherfucker. And, uh, he's saying that he's, he's there to show that, that uh, our governor Tim Waltz shouldn't be taking his tyranny away. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Saying the saying the quiet part very, very loud and very, very like a com- white guy. Complete fucking dumbass. Um. All right. Well, I'll, I'll give you mine. Um. So I've I've been I was rewatching uh, Casa de Mi Padre. I don't know if you guys ever saw this movie. It's a Will Ferrell movie. <laughs> And it's basically like a Spanish uh, telenovela. Yeah, uh, it's fucking great. It's it's in Spanish, so there are subtitles if you if you do not speak Spanish. Um, it's fucking hilarious. It's uh, I think it's uh, Diego Luna is in it. There's a, there's a couple other like very uh, famous that I'm now blanking on because I'm a uh, uh, racist white person. Um, Spanish actors, but like in the, the entire movie is in Spanish. It's Will Ferrell. It's fucking hilarious. Um, I I'm glad you it. explained this, David, because and when I saw you put Casa de Mi Padre, I was like, what are you doing going to your parents' house during <laughs> pandemic times? Yeah, 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 no, no. It's, it's, a, it's, a, great, it's a great movie. Um, I also throw in there um, the, the new Fiona album, like, fucking fucked. Like, if there's an album that could fuck, it's this album. Um, and it's funny because Fiona Apple um, – She's put out five albums now, I think, since 2000 and 
2001, or I don't know when her first album was, 2002 maybe, it was title, it was 2002. Anyway, she put out five albums in her entire career. Um, I, I feel like each one has gotten better, but each one gets longer. So like mm. last, for the last album and, and the most recent one, it was seven years. This one was eight years. Like her last album was fucking 2012. Um, and so uh, this album is, I, I think, actually, I think Pitchfork gave it like an A+. plus. Like they've never given an album an A plus before. And she actually moved this album up. It was supposed to be released uh, later in the fall. Like all of a sudden it showed up in my uh, Spotify and I was blown away. Um, I've been, that's all I've been listening to pretty much outside the podcast. So I would definitely say that. And then uh, I'm just putting this out here um, on the podcast because I need you guys to hold me to it. Um, and here's what I'm going to say. If I do not do this thing before the end of the week, I'm going to take a picture of my dick and send it to you. Nope. So that nope. You- Accountability is not punishing the people around you. <laughs> so that you can do whatever you want with it. Really? We can yeah. make puppets? Puppets, whatever. Um, <laughs> I am going to organize my scarves. Or I'm going to catalog my scarves and organize my records. And, and yeah. I will, if I don't do it, I, I, I have taken a picture of my dick. I have a, uh, uh, I've already like, set up the thing to send it uh yeah if i don't click no i've, I've done this so if, if you can you know, i commission ask, christian to do a beer with your no, dick on the label no. whatever you want 12 a.m on saturday uh if, if i haven't done these things all right if i haven't clicked the button you all are getting pictures of my dick nice you, you can do whatever the fuck you want with them <laughs> i have places for it to go dick. Being naked, could you shroud it in one of your soccer scarves? No, I want the actual dick. Oh, no, no. Yeah, and no, uh, it will go <laughs> everywhere, and I'll make, like, memes. and. Oh, yeah, no, no. Pic- MJ, I don't think you realize. Picture's already taken. Like, fully well, I like- realize that. I'm, I'm asking you to take a new picture. He no, sends it to women. We're just the guys he wants to send it to. Uh. It's, it's, it's in a thing that I cannot change. And the only, only thing I can do is, like, click a button. And if I do not click that button, you're going to get my dick at 12.01 a.m. on Saturday. My gut reaction is to say, fuck that. But I think, that's not the phrase see, this, I want to use. This is a horror film, and he's panicking. You're going to get that You're gonna get that dick at 12.01. Or you're yeah. not. Uh, Dan. What, consent. You're seeing which of your friends are scared of Listen, dicks. You just... By by showing up on this podcast, you've you've assumed <laughs> consent consent for everything. So sorry, Dan. Yeah, what, I, what you, I did not sign that paperwork. What do you, you know, I did my contract. Yeah. Uh, what do you so, got? So uh, within the last week, I uh, started and entirely finished the Outer Worlds, which I highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, for those of you who have been listening this long into the podcast, I'm so sorry <laughs> not, that, not your life, that your life has gone <laughs> off the rails. But I referenced uh, Fallout New Vegas uh, last week, which I had been playing through, and then kind of grew tired of it. Like, it was like a sixth playthrough or something like that. So I think I've earned that right. It's the same studio, uh, Obsidian Entertainment. Um, totally phenomenal game. It's got elements of New Vegas, uh, Bioshock, Borderlands, um, it plays a little bit in the Mass Effect arena with the companion stories. So truly phenomenal game. Honestly, uh, if you're like me and you uh, can't work to anything that has words, the soundtrack is awesome and it's on Spotify. So I recommend that. 
Uh, if you're not a big video gamer, which I think perhaps the vast majority of people on this podcast are not, uh, the, uh, the Big Family Cooking Showdown on Netflix, highly recommended. It is a British cooking show, which is to say it's extremely delightful, uh, hosted by a former Bake Off contestant who is wonderful, and it's just like very... Uh, Bill, I swear to God, if there's a dick on that phone, I'm going to oh, you. <laughs> I, was show, I was showing you my Sudoku, my video game. <laughs> all, I, all I saw was a screen glare. moving towards the camera with no distinction. <laughs> and uh, you can't tell me, based on the previous conversation, that that was a legitimate worry. My uh, dick is not, is not showing up into your inboxes until 12.01 a.m. on Saturday. Yeah. If I don't do the thing I'm supposed to do. <laughs> Guys, have faith in me. No. Why, why would we do that? <laughs> Christian, how are you surviving COVID time? I haven't drawn a dick on this page <laughs> for two, two episodes. So, You, you, you know, um, I um, actually enjoyed this last week. I, I watched the English game with my, with my spouse, with yeah. Layla. So um, Bill had recommended it, and uh, she's a founder of Downtown Abbey. Uh, Downtown Abbey and so... Um, th that actually got her to, on her own, search up um, uh, Sunderland Till I Die. So I'm like, yes, nice. the master plan is nice. slowly working. Um, although I think there's there's a little bit, of, you know, Sunderland Till I Die is a little bit depressing. So yeah. we, fell, we fell off a little bit on that one. But I think, you know, part of it is, you know, maybe it's just a mindset thing, but looking at this like an adventure. So as an example, um, on Saturday... I have to, to brew the next beer, I have to grind 26 pounds of grain that is in like whole husk, right? So to yeah. try and do that by hand is almost impossible. Um, so I like basically tried to like rig up a grain mill with my pasta rollers um, and found out like, okay, that's not going to work. And so now I'm going to have to try something else. And, um, you know, um, my son and I decided to play soccer tennis in our driveway by like rolling out the garbage cans and like putting in between us and like just play soccer tennis. So we're kind of like, you know, improving, if you will, plus, you know, just, you know, um, checking out a whole bunch of different recipes that are super basic based on things we've got. And then just like, you know what, hey, this might not turn out the way we want, but let's just give it a shot and, you know, give ourselves permission to be okay with if it doesn't turn out perfect. And um, so that part has been actually kind of really wonderful. Cool. Um, all right. Well, uh, so. Hey, David, can we just answer my friend Eric Grady's question briefly? Sure. That, that's, that's not the next part of the, of the uh, agenda. Next part hey, of the jumping agenda. Jumping ahead. Is where we shit on Andy, Andy Schletz. Uh, oh. For being, this. Yeah, no, he's he's a terrible human being. Um, his wife Mag, fucking amazing, brilliant woman, um, who for some reason picked Andy, and I have no fucking idea why she did. Maybe she, she lose a bet. Probably Stockholm she syndrome. Lose a bet. Yeah. Oh, or Stockholm she syndrome. Dick Very syndrome. good, Dan. Oh. Yeah. yeah, Stockholm syndrome. Uh, apparently, uh, and uh, Andy, uh, who he definitely knows who the Rolling Stones are. Um, I'm pretty sure he does not, or he knows who the replacements are. I'm pretty sure he does not know who Husker Du is. Because um, he's, he's a fucking idiot. Yeah, Husker Du, yeah. He's a fucking idiot. <laughs> Andy Schlitz. Uh, Adley Cribs on Twitter. He's a fucking idiot. So don't, add him. Don't, don't add him or anything. Um, but 
you know, he's a fucking idiot. Uh, all right, MJ, moving along. Uh, Want to answer a question? So, my friend uh, Eric Grady asks, who do you watch in the Bundesliga and why? And I think a large part of the motivation is they're the first league that's probably going to start up that anybody cares about. No offense to the Nicaraguan and Belarusian league or the K league, the Korean pro pro football league that's going to start up here. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think a large part of his reason for asking this is there are a lot of U S nationals, a lot of Yanks abroad that play, play in the Bundesliga. But I do not watch the Bundesliga for Yanks abroad. I watch it for, I watch uh, Union Berlin because I like their narrative history and and political stances. So and, and terrible so, soccer. And and they're bad. Yeah. Uh, they're they're uh, like they're like Everton level. So you like them? Yeah. Well, but they're <laughs> they're, they're like the they're they're better than Hertha, who hires Jurgen Klinsmann to fix their problems, who doesn't fix their problems, and then they fire Jurgen Klinsmann. Yeah. So I, so, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say we should hold this for like another podcast because, like, okay, I'm fine with that. Bundesliga. Yeah, let's do a Bundesliga yeah. one next week. Yeah. So let's hold this question, MJ. Is that cool? Yeah, that's fine. I'm. I apologize for jumping the gun. Oh, yeah. no, 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 it's it's all right. Um, I just think. Uh, yeah, I think we 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 could actually probably spend like forty five minutes talking about Bundesliga. Yeah, uh, I have I have some thoughts. I'm sure Bill has some thoughts as a totally Holly fan. So, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, Christian, do you specifically have any thoughts about Bundesliga that you want to? Well, I mean, I guess the only thing I would say is I I I do follow Dortmund, and and the reason is because um, I actually had a chance to visit um, Westfalia Stadium, and wow. um, and it was actually at their their fan uh, like opener so it was the the legends match they played the liverpool legends actually before and the dortmund legends and you know i will say that the stadium like a lot of stadiums in europe it's not nearly as luxurious as any of the mls stadiums but like the the only way i can really describe it is like it's like a slowly radiating nuclear reactor it's like this incredible energy that is just pulsating um, and it's enormous and, and everyone talks about the yellow wall being this area where, you know, there's this huge standing area, but when you actually look around the stadium, the first thing you notice is there's actually like six other standing areas yeah. where people are just standing. So it's just, it's an incredible environment to see a soccer game. So um, I had the chance to see it. And then from that point on, I was like, okay, this is worth, this is worth following. And so, and, and of course, you know, their play is in generally excellent. Um, but it's a it's a it's a great area. It's great uh, great team to follow. Awesome, cool. Uh, all right, so Christian, where can we where can uh, people follow and find you? Find Hop Clouds and and follow you guys. Yeah, so uh, Hop Clouds is at Hop Clouds on Twitter, and then I'm at C Fichet M uh, MPLS, I believe. Cool. Good good to know you're your stuff uh you can rate and review our podcast uh on wherever you find uh, this fine podcast um i just looked at our apple uh reviews i had to log into my itunes account for the first time in like three and a half years probably since i first started this podcast and uh we're at like four and a half stars generally wow yeah out of, out of five 
It's about five, yeah. One person wow. reviewed us, and we have four and a half stars. No, we, how's that we, work? We've had like nineteen reviews. Oh, and we, have, we have we have like seventeen five stars and like two one star reviews. Yeah, I like those one stars are the best. Did they actually yeah. leave reviews or just no. hit stars? Nope, nope, they did not. There's Damn. Um, yeah, so, so um, no more dick pics, please. No, yeah. uh, sh- no shit sandwich. Actually, you know, uh, I'll chat with Christian about this, but like, uh, if you leave, so we haven't had a we haven't had a, an actual review on our fucking podcast, I think, for over a year. Um, what's I'm gonna do? Like, we should if you can if you leave a five star review on Apple, I can look at it now because I have access to Apple and iTunes again. Um, and then uh, we'll maybe we'll give you something, maybe like a yeah. beer or uh, or something. We can figure yeah. we can figure out something. We can figure that. I out. am for sure. almost positive this is against Apple's terms of service. What, what are you gonna give <laughs> for a one? What? I don't I one star. Care. If you if you give us a, if you give us a one star review, but you make it particularly <laughs> verbose. But if it's hilarious, if it's hilarious, um, then <laughs> I will have a, also have a conversation with you. Uh, <laughs> But uh, but no, actually, five stars is what we actually want to encourage, Bill. So okay, <laughs> great, great review of this bullshit. Uh, again, Patreon.com uh, backslash or slash the days I know. Uh, and if you want to get in on these super awesome beers, again, like once we are actually have our official days I know beer, we'll have Christian back on to talk about mm-hmm. what that beer will actually be like because he'll do a much better job of scrubbing it than any of us possibly could. At TDA Cameron on Twitter, uh, I'm at Texaseller, Dan's at D-Wade, MJ's at NJ Matsui, Bill is obviously at Bill underscore McGuire. Um, Bill, are you going to be, you You will be probably out next podcast, right? Because you'll be surgery? I'll be, uh, I'll be addicted to drugs by then, so All yeah, right. I'll be out. I'll probably, be, probably avoid breaking into houses and... All right, well... Just enjoy the show, buddy. Yeah. Good night. And don't forget, like next week we'll have a uh, Kintaro Takata uh, Taka time on the podcast. So, I mean, if you want to, if you want to get high and talk to Taka, just let me know, Bill. I yeah, I will. Maybe okay. I'll be back. <laughs> all right, uh, you guys. All right, thank you all for listening to the podcast. We have been the Navy. You know, this is the day I know. As you do yours, land here, become feet, con. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Do the act we attract to, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son.